Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, then, let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, it's your Wednesday Night Live show on a Thursday. Back to back. And it's episode numero 50. They said it couldn't be done, but here we are. You're truly Mr. Paul Cup in the great state of New York. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to your favorite honcho of mine from the great state of Maryland, Mr. Robert Cuny. And salutations on this, the big five. Oh, you know, Paul and I remember many moons ago when we turned the big five oh. So it's monumentous. It's a huge occasion. 50 shows, 50 big shows in the book. So, again, for those of you that had, you know, 49 and when are they going to hate each other and call it quits like Simon and Garfunkel, you lost because you made it to the big 5-0. But those of you that had 51 in the one will they kill each other and end the show pool, you could, you know, still be a winner. So fingers crossed. <laughs> 50. Turn 50. 50. Wow. I yep. guess we have to reflect here a little bit, pal. I mean, it's episode 50. We we, we won't know if we'll get to 50. Are we going back in time? Because, you know, then <laughs> as we reflect on our fledgling podcast, 50 episodes since 2020, it doesn't sound quite as impressive. But still, 50 shows is 50 shows. Yes, it's true, pal. And, and here we are and we made it. And, uh, can, can you remember the first one? Uh, I can't remember much, so no. By the way, uh, thank you, everyone, for indulging us back-to-back SHI Thursday shows. We promise back to Wednesday. You know, again, if we are as a 51, a 51st show, back next Wednesday we belong. We're, we're the hump of the week for you. None of this on the other side of the slope business. We're right there in the hump. That's you know, my favorite. The week, you need something to unwind. A couple of dopey guys talking sports. It's great for the middle of the week. By Thursday, most of you are already drunk, so you know you're not paying much attention. But Wednesday, we got you covered. Yes, and we'll, we'll look to uh, return to that um, schedule next week as we move on here in this crazy sports world of 2022, and lots going on. And we're we're going to jump around it uh, today. And uh, you know, I'm going to say this. I, and, and but you know, we we were talking about getting to our 50th. I just want to say, Rob, congratulations. Uh, this has been this has been a pleasure. Um, especially the first 12 were a lot of fun. The first, first dozen? The first 12 episodes were great. And then the last 38, eh, not so much. We also <laughs> want to thank... <laughs> we want, we, and I'm not laughing because of them. But we definitely want to uh, uh, shout out to old Dean. And not yep. that he's old, uh, no, but our old please. pal. We love you, Dean. Dean Blundell. And the whole entire crew and podcast family at the Dean Blundell yep. uh, com network for... For still yeah. hanging in with us here after right. the first, you know, 36 episodes. Uh, they've been simulcasting the, uh, us over there. We really appreciate the support. And we want to send right. love to our brothers up on the Canadian border. 
Right. All the love they, they, they showed us and gave us and gave us a shot. And they're probably like, all right, how do we get rid of these guys? But they haven't yet. And we appreciate that. And, you know, they, they throw some publicity our way. They put us on their network. So we are, that's right. An international podcast. Very, very exciting. So yes, big thanks to, uh, Dean Blundell and the Dean Blundell network and the entire Mishpucha of Mishpucha. Dean Blundell. Mishpucha. Entire Bl- Dean Blundell Mishpucha of podcasts. Very nice. Oh. Any other languages that you can say thank you in? No? I'm 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 fluent barely in English, and I put my toe into the uh the pool of Yiddish. And to our couple of friends, uh when you look at the uh the podcast downloads and the chartable stats, uh a uh, big shout out to our uh, one or two fans in South Africa, uh, Honduras, Nigeria, Sweden, Norway, Belarus, Cancun, and uh, there's a little small town in Japan which unfortunately I can't pronounce. Well, let me think it's on the map. Let me, say, uh, to us. let me say to our friends who are listening in Cancun, um, if you'd like Paul and I to do a live remote <laughs> from wherever you live, we'll be happy to do that. We'll sleep in the van. We'll just, you know, we'll just hang out in your yard. I don't know, pal. You know, no disrespect, but I don't think you want to go down to Mexico and just hang out in a van. Something might happen. No, that's true. Well, you know, Cancun seems pretty touristy. Okay, maybe you're right. So we we might have to crash on your sofa. But, hey, you're getting a free show out of it. There you go, man. Uh, I'm sure yard work or household chores we could do to to pay the freight. But, yeah, think about it. Give us a call, 911. That's the hotline to the hits, as always. Absolutely. Uh, do you now? I have a Grammy and a uh, Oscar list of uh, of other people to thank. Do you want to go first? Uh, no, I, I think you. We, you know, I, I like to thank, of course, all the people who have put up with our our again back to the Yiddish. All of our Mishigas low these fifty episodes. Of course, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you know the unluckiest woman in the world, Grace. Right. For putting up with me and buying me this fabulous, hold on, I'm going to give her this. Grace, buying me this Grace, fabulous we board. We love Grace. Uh, you know, big shout out to the mom, to Mama Kaplan. Is mom, mom fucking Kaplan. listening right now? She, well, she won't be listening right now, but she'll listen to it later. That's kind of a weekend routine. She, you know, has. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking around here by fucking cursing because you know I was mortified in the fucking beginning that your mom was fucking listening to this fucking show, knowing that we fucking curse. Well, the first thing she said when she heard the show was, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck am I listening to?" I know she'll sit down with a you know a big big mug of coffee and she'll take copious notes and uh, she'll give me a full review. Those there'll, there'll be oh, some. Oh, that's what I was gonna ask. She gives you a review on the shows. Yeah, she gives I've me never compliments. Seen a transcript. Compliments. Some scolding, some criticism. She, you know, talks about how much she enjoys the Paul Cuthbert well, experience. Well, on, on episode 50, is there one, <laughs> okay. at least that stands out, one either great um, comment or one great, um, you know, something that she was really kind of not happy with here on the Hot Shows? Actually, there's, there's nothing that she's been unhappy with. I think she just really likes, as a general rule, the the chemistry between you and I. We have no chemistry. <laughs> well, you know, what can Is I say? Is your mom drinking she's with just, you to the show? She, it's, I, I hope it's just coffee in that mug. My mom's just, look, she's very nice. She's a wonderful <laughs> sweetheart of a woman. So she just wanted to throw us some nice words so we don't get discouraged. You know, that's what moms do. So, you know, you chemistry. Tell mom I love her and I'm sorry for cursing earlier. All right. I'll fucking tell her. Uh, <laughs> you know, and 
all of our regular listeners. You know, we thank you. We appreciate you. We're not doing 50 shows if, when you know, when we, we turn on the microphones, all we hear is, you know, we're doing one show and then we're out. Maybe we'll do half a show if that's the case. So, you know, to all the loyal fans, all the contributors, thanks. And, you know, here's to 50 more. I'm Ron Burgundy. You're pushing you know, the luck, pal. You're pushing the luck. Maybe, look, let's just see if we get to 51. Maybe 55. 50, hey, 50 more shows? 50 more shows. If oh only there God. was enough sports for 50 more shows. No, wait, wait. This just in. There always is. There always are stories that we can talk about. Now, the summertime, it's a little dicey. but Well, the we'll fans are still pining for a big Pete Rose show. And you know what, man? I think we're definitely going to do this. We might even do this sooner than later. We've um, been we'll teasing that for a while. Yeah, and we'll get into this a little uh, later on the MLB with the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame singular inductee uh this year uh but um my good friend mr tab bamford who i do the uh the very popular world famous line drive radio baseball podcast with um he he actually i think he might be on your side on this so we might we might uh, have a little show about this i welcome the uh the the hardy debate (laughs) yes yes see that to me though if we're gonna do a pete rose show and do it right that that sounds to me like the three of where does Tab live? Does he live in Chicago? Yes, he does, sir. Okay, see, I was going to say that sounds like a show where we all get together in your basement and we sit around with you know adult. Well, first of uh, all, first not of adult all, beverages. You are not allowed in my house. Okay. Okay. Fine. We can do it. Second can we do it in your yard? This well, how is we not. This can is a studio. A this is not a basement. And number three, if you were in town and Tab was in town, we'd be at some fancy, state of the art. Sports club, which many I know around here on Long Island, good friends with owners. Even and stuff, better, it would be big time. We wouldn't I be would... huddled around my Fun? little Roadcaster Pro uh, box here. Hey, and, and... hey, listen. The point is, you I gotta would think look, big. That, See, Rob, that that's be... your problem. You don't think big around here. Sorry, you know, I, I'm a small town boy. I'm not sorry. I don't have that. You know, that uh, same Long Island, you know, flair, but. Uh, that would be the perfect show to sit around, do it live, do a live remote, get people, you know, cheering, booing, a lot of booing, uh, you know, asking people what they think, just having a good time face to face, you know, shooting the shit about Pete Rose. Because believe me, between the three of us, I'm sure we could pontificate for quite a while about old Pedro Rose. So get that set up. And, okay? I, and I'd, I'd actually send him an email and say, uh, Hey, Pete, Pete Rose. you want to bet on who's going to win the debate? <laughs> oh! Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if Long Island's going to be around here after this weekend because, uh, you know, a few of us the are bomb. booking. Uh, the, bomb the, the, the snow winter bomb is coming. Um, I'm actually uh, waiting for a response from Elon Musk to get on one of his spaceships to get out of here safely with the family. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to get a taste of that yourselves. We're going to – well, actually, in Ocean City, which is – that way <laughs> um <laughs> ocean city is gonna get hammer time and we here in the middle of the the area the dc area off the coast a couple inches maybe it's gonna be a nothing burger here uh, as of today as of you know seven forty on thursday night but i know ocean city is gonna get slammed and up clo- as we get closer to where you are it's gonna be more brutal but here be a lot of rain a lot of nothing. Oh, now that I've said be, that, it better be nothing here too, pal. Be to snow. 
because I'm taking. It better be nothing here because I'm taking my little guy to his first hockey game on Saturday at the uh, UBS Arena where the Long Island New York Icelanders play, and we got a date with the Kraken. And uh, it better not be if they if they, if if Old Man Winter breaks my son's heart. Um, I'm gonna take a shotgun and shoot into the sky. Right? Isn't that what they do? The the wow. extremists right? They shoot into the sky. Right? I don't know. I, I haven't been an extremist in a while. I'm a recovering extremist. All right, buddy. Look, here we go. It's episode fifty. Uh, we've right. started this thing uh, the last few few shows here, where we um, dedicate uh, the the number of the episode to a famous sports figure. Um, mm-hmm. In a new segment now that you've you've aptly named, I just found out uh, pre-show. I want you to let everybody know now what we will call this segment if we do move past the fiftieth okay. episode. Yeah, this might be the a one and done segment name because there won't be a show uh, to have a segment, but. I kept thinking as we've been doing this now, I think this is, let's see, 44, 46, like the fifth or sixth time we've done this, and I couldn't think of a way to describe it. It's not really a tribute to an athlete, and I was killing myself trying to figure this out, and everybody's, ah, that old, you know, red carpet phrase when they talk about celebrities who wear the same outfit, and they say, who wore it best? So I've co-opted that title for this segment, Who Wore It Best? Now, I would say best. Oh, hit the, hit the applause button for yourself, oh, man. sorry. I say who wore it best, but, you know, you can argue amongst yourselves out there in Radioland uh, what athlete you think wore number 50, your favorite athlete that wore number 50. This just happens to be, as with them all, somebody who's famous and wore, you know, brought, brought pride and joy to that number. Today it's number 50, and so I've picked, and there's a little bit of a local connection here because he did go to the Naval Academy, and he's from Northern Virginia. Yes, sir. I'm going to ask you a quick favor, pal, uh, yes. for all of us here in the audio land. Can you take your cord that's hanging off your headphone and throw it behind your neck? Well, I can't. It's not long enough. It's very right. annoying, I know. Can, it, you, it, can, can, you, can you back away from your table and then extend your boom out to you? Hey, that's something. <laughs> that's even better. It's... Hey. <laughs> You guys can see this. It's very annoying, I know. Okay, Val, you're on. Go and live. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just talk for a couple minutes. I will talk for a couple of minutes in a singing type of voice. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I was just kind of hearing that little dinky dink thing going, and uh, you know, we're only uh, 15 minutes in, and I think if if that went on for another, what we're doing a six-hour show tonight, I think we would lose a lot of people. But um, I think Rob's. Uh, Gonna uh, adjust this here right now, and we'll be good. All right, pal. I have no idea what you said because my headphones are on. I'm sure you were saying it was all, all good things. And mom will let you know later when she reviews the yeah, show. See, it's this is still not working. No, you're good. It's better. Yeah, but it's gonna be. It's gonna rub against it soon. Hey now, Ooh, so to speak. Hey. Yeah, I don't like. Th- it needs. To I be mean, a it's an explicit work. show, but hey, yeah, it is. Okay, so it's the Naval Academy's own, and maybe you've heard of him from his NBA career, but one David Robinson, the admiral of your San Antonio Spurs, Hall of Famer, David Robinson. So let me just run through some of and his And what steps. number did he wear? He wore number 50. Oh, okay. Of course. Uh, 14 seasons for the Spurs, 21 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, two and a half assists per game, played 987 regular season games. Uh, let's see. Here are all some of his uh, awards. Uh, Hall of Fame in 2009, 10-time uh, All-Star, uh, 83, uh, 93, 
uh, scoring leader. He was a rebounding leader once, two Olympic gold medals, including one with the Dream Team. Two-time NBA champ, 10-time All-NBA, eight-time All-Defensive team. He was the 1989 Rookie of the Year, um, Defensive Player of the Year in 92, and he was the MVP in 1994. And he's part of the NBA's 75th and, I presume, um, sorry, he was part of the 50th and the 75th uh, anniversary team. So, you know, he was a great player. Led them. He was drafted. The, the San Antonio Spurs were a joke. Um, and then once they got Tim Duncan, okay, they went on to win a couple championships together. He retired his last game, 17 points, 13 rebounds um, in the last game of the 2003. That's more than the Lakers had last night. Hmm? That's more than the Lakers had last night. Yeah. Um, so, uh, great player, David Robinson. And we have a clip here. Now, the clip is, the whole, just to put in some context, the whole clip is... Uh, a little uh, sort of an eight minute tribute to David Robinson. And I thought, and he's very, he was, was still is very humble player. So there's not a lot of highlight films or stories or good videos where he said something funny or done something interesting. There's a lot of clips of him scoring points, which doesn't really translate very well uh, on podcasting. So I found this clip of people uh, of David Stern, former NBA commissioner, the late great David Stern, and his former coach Greg Popovich, talking about his post-playing career and his charitable work, and just what a good person he is. And I thought that that really sums up who David Robinson is, because really he was one of the nicest and most genuine players. And you hear him talk; you hear a lot of athletes talk about, you know, doing the right thing and and talking about God, and sometimes using religion as a way to just garner retention, and they sound, they sound a little disingenuous when they start thanking God for everything they've gotten. But this guy, um, he really was that humble. In fact, when he was in college, I'll just tell this quick story and let you get to the video. Um, when he was in college, Brett Musburger, during an NCAA tournament game, was the one who gave him the nickname The Admiral because he played for the Naval Academy. And David Robinson actually felt bad. <laughs> what a, This is... This is typical David Robinson. He felt guilty that people were calling him the admiral because he was in the Navy and he wasn't really an admiral. And he thought that the the, the real admiral, the real admirals in the Navy, would take offense by that somebody else was calling him the admiral. Not that he said, don't call me that. He just felt really uncomfortable in college when he was in the Naval Academy being called the admiral because – that's a rank that you have to attain. You can't just be given that name. And that's and if you hear him in that interview, he sounds very genuine about that. That's just the kind of person that he is. You know, from my couch, obviously I don't know David Robinson, but from what I've read about in the last couple of days and the videos I've watched, he seems like a very genuine person. So let's listen to the clip again. You're going to hear David Stern first, then David Ro- – you're going to hear Robinson himself, but also David Stern and Greg Popovich. Our NBA World Champions. Let the fiesta begin. After retiring from the game, David remained a powerful presence in San Antonio through his work in the community. And that dedication was honored by the NBA, which announced that winners of the league's Community Assist Award would be given the David Robinson plaque. You know what potential is? Anybody know what potential is? Potential means you can do so much. means you can go out and you can change the whole world. David's most profound impact in San Antonio came when he donated $9 million to launch the Carver Academy, 
designed to serve elementary age children in a nurturing family environment. He not only talked the talk, but in terms of social responsibility, he very much was part of the community, determined to motivate and set an example for youngsters who he knew could do better. Whether it was his commitment to the community or his excellence on the court, David Robinson set new standards for others to follow and left an enduring legacy during 14 stellar NBA seasons. As people think about David, over time it'll be just exuberant energy, athleticism, class and persistence over many years. Our franchise is an old ABA franchise. And being the first All right, so nine million bucks. That's uh, quite a lot of cheddar. Uh, the, per- the other person, nice of course. Nice to have that around just to donate it, man. Yeah, that would be nice to have $9 million to give away. Um, so in, so they named the Community Service Award after David Robinson, which you know is quite an honor. It indicates that this is someone who was clearly dedicated to it, even when he wasn't winning awards for it. Um, you know, it was a little cheesy with the, the piano and the narrator, but it really sums up, uh, I mean, the, the stats tell you what kind of player he was, but the video kind of tells you about what a person he was, which, as you know, is more important. Yeah, no, I think it's a great choice there, Mr. Cuny, because he's he's one of my favorite NBA players. I was so happy for, for him to win with San Antonio. They had some um, just great great teams in the years around some other some other great super teams, you know, the Bulls and the Knicks yep. and, and, and the Jazz back then. I mean, it was um it was some pretty good competition and they kind of you know, when you think of San Antonio, I think the only reason anybody knows about San Antonio as far as sports is concerned is because of the San Antonio Spurs. Because right. there's nothing and else going on down there. And, and for a long time in the NBA, they were just they were nothing. In the ABA, when they had George Gervin, and, and the clip was going on to talk, feature George Gervin saying they were the first ABA team to win an NBA title, after they came to the NBA, again, they were kind of, they were like the Siberia of the NBA until they got they were, they were bad enough to get the number one pick. They snagged the Admiral who served two years. So he was drafted in 87, served two years in the Navy came in 1989, you know, several years later, they got, um, Tim Duncan, you know, he was and on Tim a, on and a Dave are both just world-class athletes, but world-class guys, and incredibly smart guys too. Yeah. Uh, Tim Duncan. It was like, they just, they just, they drafted a younger version of David Robinson, but I was saying he was he was on course, David Robinson, to be one of those guys like Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing, who played in the '90s, and because they happened to play at the same time as Michael Jordan, were never going to win a title. Carl uh, Malone, same way. And then, you know, '98, I think '99, I can't remember which one. They drafted Tim Duncan, promptly went out and won a championship in '99, then won one in 2003, and then obviously Duncan went on to win three more while he was with the Spurs. But that sort of saved him from being, you know, one of those what-if guys. Great player, but to, you know, multiple champion. He would have been in the Hall of Fame anyway, but this at least sort of sealed the deal. Um, At his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, um, he was given like seven, eight minutes, and instead of talking about himself and, you know, some stories about his life and telling the same old cliched stories, he said, I only have – a few minutes, so I'm just going to thank everybody that got me here. And that's what he did. He spent the whole time, his whole speech, pointing out his wife and his kids and his coaches and 
teammates and people at the Navy and, and it's just, it was very nice. It was very heartfelt. And then he, you know, thank God at the end, then he left. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very nice. It's, he didn't really talk about himself. He just said, here's every, I'm only here because of all these people. And it was very nice. Totally opposite speech that you would give. Cause it would be, oh, yeah, I'd be like, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd be like, everybody get comfortable because we're going to be here a while. <laughs> And then by the time I was finished with my Hall of Fame acceptance speech, here's what you'd hear from the crowd. <laughs> they would have already swept up, turned out the lights, given me the key and said, Let's lock up whenever you're done. Do you know if he'll be a special guest when the uh, Washington football team announced their name, the Admirals? That's, that's, that's going to be a great show next week. Because next Wednesday, 2-2-2-2, two, <laughs> two, 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 two. that's when they're going to announce that we become the Washington Commanders or, you know, the Northern Virginia Admirals. They gotta nice. they gotta bring everybody in, all the captains, the sea captains. Maybe Please. uh maybe Jack will be there from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and everything else, man. Sure, get Johnny Depp. But you know this <laughs> franchise can't sink any lower. So why not get Johnny Depp to announce, you know, the the team name? We were joking um at work that you know the Wolfskins are gonna announce the new name on the Today Show. And it would be so so Redskin, so Dan Snyder, if the person that announced it was, you know, if, if or if Dan Snyder said, hey, what happened to that Matt Lauer guy? He should be the one doing the announcement. That would be just perfect Dan Snyder sort of shenanigans. You're saying he's a little out of touch. Just a little. Just and a little. we'll find out, you know. Spoiler wow. alert. We may be talking more about him later in the show. All right, pal. Well, it's time now. Speaking of people out of touch, it's time to uh, kick off this uh, showgram here before we get deep into the sports talk. Uh, mm-hmm. Our little, uh, you know, ode to the uh, headlines that make you do lines right here on episode 50 of the Sports Hachos. Some crazy stuff going on out there, folks. And in this mad, mad world, our man, Mr. Cuny, uh, likes to pick out some of the, the all-stars. I mean, sports is full of all-stars, but so is life. And uh, Mr. Cuny right now is, is going to shine a light on a couple uh, that you may not have heard of. But uh, this is it. Let's take it away, Mr. Cuny. Find out All what's right, going so, on. So the last couple of weeks, I've focused on stupid criminals. And and we'll come back to they stupid will, criminals again. I know some of you are still recovering from the, the story about the Walmart Stuffed animal <laughs> sex offender. But uh, today, it's all about stupid America. I found two stories that just tell us that America as a country, getting dumber. A lot of people saying that. Uh, by the way, I I saw me and, and uh, Mrs. Honcho, we mm. saw um, Colin Quinn last night in Long Beach, uh, oh. right around here. And, and was his, he, is he, he doing was, stand-up? Yeah, well, he usually does small clubs here before they start doing either a special or something. Right. I tell you, he's got America down Pat, he was amazing last night. I digress. He, he's funny. He he's in a, I mean, if you watch the movie Grown Ups, you're like, this guy's a clown. But if you've seen him on on Saturday Night Live and on the show Remote Control, the MTV game show from 100 years ago, and just some of his stand up stuff, he's very sharp. Dude, even better on Netflix. Watch Red and Blue States, Colin Quinn, um, okay. The Constitution, Colin Quinn, and New York, Colin Quinn. Three brilliant, smart, incredible. All right. That's why it was so great to see him last night. He's so smart and so funny. Go ahead. All right, so here's the first one. Headline, uh, TSA, you know, the Transportation Safety Administration, confirms it lets illegal immigrants use arrest warrants as ID in airports. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. It, need I go any further? So 
You don't have any other form of ID, no passport, no driver's license, no nothing. But if you have a arrest warrant, which I what do <laughs> and you they do? let you on the plane? What do you do with that? If you're if you're a TSA official and I'm like, I don't have any ID, here's my arrest warrant. And can anybody use it or is it just illegal immigrants? Like if you or I Oh, you know, I left my passport, my wallet, and everything else at home. But I have an arrest warrant here. Can I use that as my ID? What do you do with that if you're a TSA official? Is it an expired arrest warrant? Is it an outstanding arrest warrant? Are you under any obligation to then phone the authorities and say your outstanding arrest warrant person is here? What do you do with that? And you're right. What is the crime? Before I let you on this airplane, you've been arrested What's the charge? Is it jaywalking or is it? No, you know? he, he was with a stuffed animal. Yeah. And a, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I think, you know, the TSA is stooped to a new low on this one. I think if you have no ID and all you have is an arrest warrant, I'm going to ask that you come back later and not get on this flight. But just hey, recently in, in current modern times, it, or is this um, like a story from many moons ago? This is date. No, uh, not many moons ago. When did I get this? Um, four days ago. So and it's going on in America. Yes, in America. It, has it been narrowed down to a specific state or part of America? Nope. Uh no. It's uh anywhere where they have the TSA. So any airport in America. I find this hard to believe. I recently flew down to New Orleans uh in December from New York and man, I mean it's it's pretty damn strict. Yeah. Well, I just can't see it. I, you would think it seems quite extraordinary to me as well, but hey, you know, the, what can I tell you? The TSA. Always... A, when you buy a ticket, don't you have to answer that question or something? Uh, I don't think being arrested or having been convicted of a crime precludes you from flying. I mean, again, there's many crimes that aren't violent. Just having me cry, give you embezzle money doesn't mean you can't get on an airplane. No, no, you know. Might raise suspicions as to how you paid for the airline ticket, but it's not going to preclude you from flying. <laughs> the airline doesn't care how you pay for it. That's yeah, we don't care. You embezzle money. the money, whatever. Just don't, you know, blow us up. And and if you have an arrest warrant, again, is it an expired arrest warrant? You've already been arrested and served your time. I just, I don't understand. This seems like a very, very dangerous road the TSA is going I down. I can't, if, maybe domestic, but I can't see anybody getting on an international flight with a. I don't know. Let me hold on. Let me uh, check to see if it's domestic, international, or God help us both. Um, oh, it's bad enough if it's here in the states. If it's one state to another state. But again, I guess maybe are we making too much of it? Should we? I just is, think it's. Is it's, this it's, a thing the, that makes you go hmm, or is it uh, in this crazy America that you? Well, you did preface the seg. Preface is that the right word? Preface. Pre- preface. Wow, man, talk about being little. I, I just did think, preface the segment with crazy America, so. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, I don't know if it's necessarily bad, dangerous, risky. It just seems like if you've run out of IDs, like if you have a list, here's what we'll accept is an ID, and you've gotten down to arrest warrant, then whatever the one was right before arrest warrant should have been where you drew the line. If you can't meet this list of things, and they don't have the list in there, but, you know, obviously uh, birth certificate, driver's license, passport, library card, whatever has your picture and a signature on it, I don't know about library card, then that should be – that should suffice. But if you can't produce any of those and all you have is an arrest warrant, seems a little odd. 
seems like, you know, they could have just stopped before the arrest warrant and said, okay, sorry, pal, come back, you know, when you get your license back. So, I don't know. See, now you got me thinking, is this at the checkout counter or is this as they go through no, security? No, TSA, right? This is security, this is the right? TSA checkpoint. So the, oh, man. When so you stand that long line, although. But don't you need an ID when you. That check- is your ID. That's going to be accepted. Remember, it said, yeah, I said what, look, dude, it, it's for illegal immigrants. So I kind of see they may have a harder time producing a, a valid government ID. But I would ask if I'm as me as a as a as a citizen. Uh, hey, I if I go to, you know, Dulles, your local airport here and I say, you know what? I left the house again without my driver's <laughs> license, passport, birth certificate, vaccine card, library. I got nothing. But I have my arrest warrant. <laughs> or Oh, wait, do me a favor. Uh, Google That's the uh, local police department. Uh, my mugshot will be there. Right. Is that good enough? Right, exactly. Here's my picture from the post office uh, on the FBI's most wanted <laughs> list. Is that? And again, I ask, what is your obligation as a government official? You're acting as an agent of the U.S. government if you're a TSA employee. What is your obligation? If, if I show up with an outstanding arrest warrant as my form of ID, are you obligated to you know, put me in custody. What do you do? I don't know. That's why I said this one, it's cuckoo. Cuckoo for Cocoa Sure Pops. is, pal. Sure is. All right. Uh, do you have another? I have one more for you. Oh, and, and when you do this one more, I have one. I'm going to read a headline to you, and I just want you to react. Go ahead. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so uh, this is from your New York Times, the old gray lady of journalism. Uh, the headline is, put down your number two pencils forever. Uh, the SAT will go completely digital by 2024 amid questions about whether college admissions tests are fair or even necessary. Now, the dumb part is not going digital. I, I, you know, please, who uses paper and pencil anymore? It's the idea that the SAT is going to be shorter and easier because longer tests and longer reading passages and not being able to use calculators is too stressful. So, Mm. There's not really much to unpack there other than the SAT making it easier. I realize that there are schools that are no longer requiring the SAT, which is another problem. Not that I think the SAT is the be-all, end-all indicator of college success, but it's nice to have these sort of objective, and they are objective. I don't want to hear any bias that the tests are biased. Get out of here. But they're objective indicators of how you're going to do in school and they, their objective metrics to get people in, because look in my own school district, grades are super inflated. I mean, just to give you an idea of how inflated they are. If I have a student who doesn't hand in an assignment and I don't make two way communication with the parent, in other words, I can't just call or email. I have to actually speak to a parent or receive an email back. If that doesn't exist, I can't give that student a zero. I have to give that student a 50%. Hmm. Now, do the students know that? Of course they do, which is uh, why it's such a stupid policy. In fact, I had a student say to me, this was great, and I like this kid, nice guy, and he's, you know, one of the tribe. Um, he said, because he was missing an outline from one of my classes, I said, you know, you're going to have to do this. You have until the end of the quarter to turn in. He goes, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to get a 50% anyway, right? And I looked at him, I said, that's only if I don't, get any communication from, you know, mom and dad. I said, if you'd like, I can give your mom a call, put her on the phone and say, you know, your son decided doesn't want to do an outline because he knows he's going to get 50%. 
And then when she's horrified, just by picking up the phone and saying, I'm horrified, I can then give you a zero. And he looked at me and said, okay, I'll do the outline. <laughs> See, but those kind of kids you don't have to worry about. They, if they don't do an assignment, it's usually just oversight or they, they don't want to do it, but they eventually will do it. I have, a, I have one student who handed in like two or three assignments out of 14 and still passed because I had to give 50% across the board. So I don't want to get way far afield. My point is the SAT, much more objective and probably a better metric of just a way to divide people and, just, and determine candidacies. Not you're going to do well in college if you do well in the SAT. It's just a good way to separate one from another. People from the herd when all the other categories and all the other um, metrics are tied. But making it easier – just you know, get out of here. It's it's well, already. I gotta be honest, when I the, when I took it back it in the eighteen hundreds, um, it was very hard, man. You know, there's so many. You got to color in all these circles. I know, but they, they make they that, ask I don't tough mind questions. Going digital. And a lot of the questions I didn't know. Well, and right, and that's fine. I don't mind it going digital. I don't mind the hard questions. It's just every time I hear about a standardized test being made easier, I get a little bit more. Uh, frightened about where we're heading. I mean, look, we already are on oh, the world buddy. stage. And where we're heading? How about where we are? Well, right. That, I was trying to be nice. But look, on the educational world stage, we're a joke. You know what we are? We're San Antonio before uh, David Robinson. Oh, very good. That's where we are. Uh, just to bring it all back yeah. to the first segment. We're David Robinson. Uh, Spurs pre-David Robinson. Post-ABA, we had a run there. For a while, when we had the atomic bomb, good times, and we were pu pumping out the scientists and the mathematicians, and now we've just kind of stagnated. Yeah, we're just sending the drones. That's all we need. That's it. All right, pal. So before we end this segment, and, and by the way, two excellent uh, thank you pieces. And, and I, I blame social media. All right. So there's a percentage of the population that might some people's heads might explode here when I read this headline. I'm just going to read the headline. Uh, we'll see if Mr. Cooney has anything to say or not, and he can nod at me and say, no, I don't want to have any commentary about this or not. Okay, but I think it's, it's you know, of the times, and it's interesting, and here we go. <clears throat> From the radar. <clears throat> Michael Phelps, you know who Michael Phelps is? Yes. Who is he? Can you explain Baltimore there? Zone, gold medal winning swimmer. All right, Phelps good. So record for you're with me so far. One games. All right, one, so you're with me so far. Here we go. Yes. <clears throat> Michael Phelps. And that's possession here. Michael Phelps, okay, mm. trans, ex-girlfriend, Taylor Leanne Chandler, calls genetically superior former Olympic swimmer a hypocrite. Uh, okay, so Michael Phelps's former ex-trans girlfriend. Michael Phelps, trans ex-girlfriend, Taylor Leon, Chandler calls genetically superior former Olympic swimmer a hypocrite. She's calling Michael Phelps a hypocrite? Yes. About what? I'm, I'm... Because he's genetically superior, I guess. I guess I, that's, a, that's, I, that's probably a little sarcasm. No. How does that what is he? But what is he being hypocritical about? Well, you'd have to read the whole article. But I just uh, thought the headline itself... Yeah, there's a lot going on in the headline. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. you were gonna, the story that I thought you were going to give me was about Peter Dinklage, who I absolutely... Oh, I saw that uh, one. That's good, yeah. ...saying he doesn't like that Disney is doing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because it's, you know, it's 
propagating a, a negative stereotype about you know little people, and he and he blasted Disney, saying you're still in the dark ages because they're remaking Snow White, and and Snow White's going to be uh, Latina, and they're still going to have the dwarves, and he was like, you guys are still in the fucking dark age. In fact, he said, fucking dark ages or fucking Stone Age, something words to that effect with the f bomb that they were still doing it. Now Disney has come out and relented and said, well, we're going to rethink the whole seven dwarves snow white story so now, if my, they make them all tall dwarves right should tall people get not nah. i mean look all i can say is this i one, know where pete's coming from I, I mean i haven't seen but i think there was commentary about how they look not only just the size of them but there was some coloring to them yellow or something i have to read more about it i i, I think it's very, very we have to be very careful to comment on stuff that we haven't i, I know it's just deeply into it's a fairy tale and also oh that oh it's not real Shout out to this, to Disney, to my good friends at Disney, and to everyone else in the media. Stop remaking everything, and all you're doing is changing the characteristics, I'll just leave it at that, of the people in that were in the same roles. Just make some new stuff. You know, it, you're not doing inclusion and diversity any favors by just reprocessing all your old shows and saying, well, here's what Snow White would be if, instead of, you know, a white American woman, she's Latina. I have no problem with that, with any of that, of who you're going to cast and what role, whatever. Just entertain me. But I don't want to see, you know, a one day at a time redone with, you know, a different ethnic cast. Just give me a new show. Same cast, write a new show. How would you recast All in the Family? <laughs> you know what? Actually, that would be fascinating if it was an all-black cast and with the same sort of um, parody and satire on, you know, racist blue-collar America, except, you know, in the opposite direction. I think that'd be great. See, that's different. It's not just let's make Archie Bunker black, but he has all the same lines. It's the same show. Oh, eh, no, yeah. that's Did that's it? dumb. You're missing a golden opportunity there. Well, so, I think I think it's, you know there's certain people couldn't handle that. I know. Just stop recycling shows and just come up with some new stuff. I mean, that's really the bottom line. It's not who you're casting or why you're casting. It's come on, give us something fresh, and then you know go nuts and cast whomever you want, who's the most talented without regard to race or religion and so on and gender. Is that possible but, anymore? No, it's not. Is it possible anymore? No, I'm sure I've already been canceled on social media. <laughs> All right, pal. Well, let's get this sports showgram. Hey, are we still doing sports? Because it's you know eight twelve already. <laughs> yeah, I know. We better hurry up, man. This, this is if we're gonna. I don't know about this fifty first episode. I mean, we're really uh. Well, this this will be the fiftieth and fifty first episode. We'll just cut it in half. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> like a good Disney plan. would do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's gonna play us? Uh, they recast uh, the sports honchos. I want a Latina woman to play me. <laughs> Roberta. <laughs> yes, that's me. Aye, aye, aye. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to begin our National Mediocrity League segment, otherwise known as the NFL. And let's bring in our two weekly experts to kick off the segment. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you NFL on the Sports Hot Shows. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. 
How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. Fucking A. Fucking A, right. Always put the smile on my face. I love it, man. Uh, Every week, it's hysterical. I got to tell you, man, everybody listens to the honchos. 50 episodes. I, I, you know, I ripped the uh, the National Football League, and I call it the National Mediolo- Mediocrity League, uh, especially uh, the regular season. Uh, but I got to tell you, the NFL redeemed itself this past weekend. Anything but mediocre. That it was absolutely, you couldn't ask for anything better unless it was your own team, and obviously the teams that lost. But my God, that's why I love playoff football so much, because... You usually get the goods, but man, I haven't seen a weekend like that in a long time, Rob. It was fan fucking fantastic. I, I was getting ready. If you had said, if you had busted out this segment today and 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 gone on a mediocre rant, I'm not a mediocre rant. Not your rant's not mediocre. If you'd gone on a national mediocrity league rant, I would have just turned the microphone off and left. You're about to like, do that when I introduce the segment. You were going to do it. What more do you want? This is what I would have asked. In, in the words of the Emperor of Joaquin Phoenix. Actually, it wasn't the Emperor. It was Russell Crowe from The Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What a weekend it was. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was the greatest you know, weekend of playoff football of all time, but who cares? You know, you hear that a lot when there's a spectacular game or a performance or a bunch of games or a weekend like we had where people say they, they immediately want to quantify it as the greatest fill-in-the-blank ever. To which I say, why? That's such a fruitless and stupid exercise. You can say this. It was a great weekend, and it doesn't matter if it was better than, you know, a weekend from the 80s or a weekend from the 90s. It was wonderful. It was great football from beginning to end. There were a lot of head-scratching moments, a lot of and, – and to the good people in, in western New York, to the good people in Buffalo, you know, we suffer here mightily with our franchise, but – there's we don't there's no hope in Washington. There's no hope to be dashed <laughs> in Washington. So we don't really we don't we suffer in a different kind of way. But y'all starting with Scott Norwood wide left in 1990 against the Giants through four straight Super Bowl losses and just continuing outward the Music City miracle um and just the spiraling effect of all of these years without the playoffs and now you finally make it into the playoffs and you're 13 seconds away from the AFC championship game Gotta uh, play defense. and, and, and it's what a gut punch, but we'll get to that game. I just, I feel so bad for Buffalo, good town, good people. Uh, I just feel like they need a championship. We'll see. We get something. It. Yes. And, and we're going to get into, but I wanted to play this, you know, you know, because like I said, the National Mediocrity League, right? I've been mm. ripping it all season long. So right. I, I figured I must play this clip. And this is my little ode to the NFL this past weekend. All right. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Want to go to Aspen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. I'm going to give you this. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Way to go, NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, um, do you want to start there in Buffalo? Since you, you, you had a nice ode to the fans, you want, you want to start there or did you have something planned? 
Well, I was going to just go through them, through them in order, although, you know, it's not Thursday. Okay, that's just your school elastic thing you want to go in order. Let's go in order. Yeah, I just, I just, I had to get that off my chest about Buffalo and tell them before we go into anything how much I, you know, wish nothing but good fortune on the city of Buffalo. And I hope, you know, you get, you lift this curse that you seem to be under, at least for your football team. All right, so uh, the Bengals beat Tennessee in Tennessee, probably the weakest, worst, uh, number one seed. We've seen in a long time. Um, what we saw on on Saturday is Ryan Tannehill. Thanks, thanks for playing. You know, uh, there's a ham sandwich in your walking papers because this is a team with way too much talent, and that was all on display. And the one thing that was holding him back, even at home, in addition to Mike Vrabel, who I think is vastly overrated as a coach, um, really. Mike to coach Vrabel and some of his decisions, you know, he's got that arrogant devil may care. I can do whatever I want, you know, balls to the wall kind of coaching style, which works for the guy he works for or worked for. He's from the Belichick coaching tree, which seems to produce nothing but rotten fruit, except in the case of Brian Flores. (laughs) But he has this notion that I can do whatever I want because I've achieved this greatness. Well, Belichick has achieved greatness and you, you forgive him some of his, aggressive moves or some of his reaches or when he fails to do something. But Vrabel, you've won again as many Super Bowls as Paul and I combined. So I don't know what you're doing going for two when it's, you know, six nothing and you've just scored a touchdown but in the first quarter. But, you know, we can – I'm not here to debate that. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. He sucked. He sucked. But also and, the Bengals and, were excellent. And Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a moment. But But – the warts on Tennessee, have been, which specifically the, the warts that are Ryan Tannehill, have been covered by the fact that you have the best running back in the game when he's healthy, Derrick Henry, a really good defense. You've got two great wide receivers, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. And, and you know, they've covered your ass low these many years. But now it finally showed up when, you know, Derrick Henry at about, I would say, 75% in his first game in months – you know, after that foot injury, when you needed it, when when Derrick Henry can't deliver, because they've been very, very dependent on Derrick Henry, when he can't deliver, and, you know, uh, Foreman, who's little, uh, Dante, Dante Foreman, who's little Derrick Henry, when they couldn't deliver and they said, okay, Ryan, you know, it's in your hands, he failed. So <laughs> they might be in the market for another quarterback because that team is, the window's not closed on that team, far from it. Uh, Cincinnati, God, you got to love the balls on Joe Burrow and the balls on his kicker. Rookie kicker. You know, the Bengals drafted a kicker. Nobody drafts kickers. They're always free agent signings. And people mocked the Bengals and said, typical bungles, drafting a kicker in the fifth round, this guy McPherson from Florida. And all he does is, as he's warming up to take that, you know, game-winning kick, the guts on this guy, he said to Joe Burrow, after he took his warm-up swing, I guess, swing of his leg, he said, well, time to go win the uh, – time to go to the AFC champ." Or he said, I'm sorry, looks like we're going to the AFC championship before he even kicked it. That's and awesome. after he kicked it, when the ball was in the air, he turned around and started celebrating before the kick went over the crossbar. <laughs> that, my friends. is awesome. That's guts. That's stones. That's cojones. That's episode uh, 50 of the Sports Hachos. That's right. We knew it was gonna. We knew we were going to the AFC to episode fifty before episode forty nine was. Right. How about them apples? That is right. Um, 
Burrow is just in his second year. He looks like a guy who's been playing for ten years. Calm under pressure. Um, doesn't appreciate. He's not one of these. I'm just happy to be here kind of guys. Doesn't relish the underdog role. Doesn't want to play with house money. He's like, we're here. You know, two years ago we stunk. Last year we were okay until I got injured. Now I'm back, and we're not going to say, well, next year's our year. We haven't been doing this long enough. He's like, we're doing it now. Bring on Kansas City. It would have been great um, if, you know, Cincinnati could have played this game at home. But this was their first road playoff victory ever. So two weeks ago they got off the 30-year the schneid and winning a playoff game. And now they got off the, the forever. They were 0 for their existence on the road in the playoffs, and they finally won. So why not? Why not win the AFC Championship as a vast underdog to Kansas City? Not going to happen. Um, it's not probably not going to happen, but it's not like the Bengals are, are a flash in the pan. I expect to see them. Yeah, now, but I they, I, they the have Titans to fix the offensive really, line. Titans really, and I want to ask you something, too, about this real quick. I mean, the Titans, I mean, you know, you get the bye. You look what happened to, um, you know. Green Bay? The, yeah, Green Bay. I mean, yeah, it's just like. You sit back sometimes and you wonder if, if that role of playing, you know, I mean, look, you're always going to want to play for home field advantage. So mm-hmm. that's, I'm not questioning that. But I, I, I don't know, but I sense Tennessee just wasn't prepared. They weren't ready. I think there was a bit of cockiness too. Like there was no way they were going to lose to the Bengals at home. You know, and, and, and kudos to the Bengals for taking advantage of it. And, and their head coach, too, has just been doing a phenomenal job in terms of getting them in. Taylor. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's a there's a vibe. I think that's one thing, too. I mean, the Kansas City-Buffalo game, obviously, both teams deserve to win that game. But all the other teams that are, that are winning, L.A., too, I mean, there's there's a there's a kind of like a push. There's a vibe going on. Green Bay didn't have that. Um, Tennessee didn't have that. It's almost well, like— Well, there's, there's two different things, two different— um, forces at work there. Well, we'll talk about that with Green Bay. But I think with Tennessee, they should have been cocky because, as I was about to say, they sacked poor Joe Burrow nine times. It, to be sacked nine times and still win a playoff game is almost unheard of. And their defense was up to the challenge. Uh, the rest of the team seemed to be up to the challenge. And they thought, we have this game in hand. Just as long as our quarterback doesn't fuck us, we should be fine. And that's what happened. I don't. I, there might have been a little bit of Tennessee overlooking Cincinnati maybe just a, a tiny bit, but Tennessee is a team that gets overlooked. So I don't know that they were that cocky. I think they just saw that they had the momentum on their side, and they were holding Joe Burrow in check. I mean, he had a, a good game, but not a great game. And again, he was sacked nine times, including critical moments when Cincinnati was gonna could possibly have driven and put the game out of out of reach. So whatever happened there, it really does fall at the feet. And even though the players won't say it publicly, probably like, look, this guy's a clown. Ryan Tannehill is not the guy to take us where we want to go. Fine in the regular season, you know, pretty good. But in the playoffs, Well, all right, gags. so let's talk about that you know, aspect of it too. I mean, you can have a really great season, and then, you know, the playoffs come down to one game, do or die. So, and you, you look at the, the tip balls and some of the other games that led to interceptions. Even even that last play for Tennessee when the kid picked the ball up when it looked like it hit the ground. I mean, all these little things that were happening. And that's right. I think that's the beauty of, of uh, NFL playoffs, too, is because that's it. 60 minutes, 
You can have guys yep. who have great seasons and look at Brady, look at, uh, you know, Rodgers and stuff. It comes down to one game and a couple of really good, confident kickers. You know, even the kid right. in Kansas City, man, he was ice when he put that through. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know about the lousy game the 10 had, but, you know, this is I think that's the whole thing about NFL football and especially the playoffs. I mean, a coach can out-coach you. Uh, you can have nine sacks in a game and still lose a game. You know, and it comes down to clock management and just guys making big plays. I mean, when we get to the KC-Buffalo game, amazing stuff there. I mean, the problem is with Tannehill and any quarterback in his shoes is over the course of 16, now 17 games, some of those shortcomings um, can be masked, either because you're just playing inferior teams or the other parts, other aspects of your team are playing better. But you need a guy who, when it really counts, and it's hard to really know this over a regular season, that when it comes down to it and you really need someone in crunch time for all the marbles, just to use more cliches, is going to deliver. You don't really know that until that person is in that position. And this is the first time in the playoffs that it's really been more about Tannehill and less about Derrick Henry. And he failed that test. Uh, Again, fine regular season quarterback, you know, but when the real pressure comes, and maybe they couldn't handle the pressure of being the top seed, I don't know. I have no way to judge that. But Mm -hmm. they just, they couldn't do it. He's a great, again, great regular season, long-term, spread-out-the-mistakes kind of quarterback. But when you have that, you know, that one game, that box that you exist in for one game where you have to be great when greatness calls. Would you say that about Dan Marino? He never won. Yeah, but, well, but Dan Marino, he didn't disappear in the playoffs. I mean, he put on a really good show against San Francisco in that one Super Bowl he went to. It's just his team never got there. See, it's different with Marino. It's... Marino's great, and they never had a running game, and they never really had a defense that lived up to the offensive side, um, and and never got look even John Elway, who I still think, for my money, I mean outside of Tom Brady and all those Super Bowls, for my money, if I had to pick one quarterback to win me a game with two minutes, uh, to go and no timeouts, I'm taking John Elway every Where's time. Joe Montana. No, but John Elway <laughs> never had. He never won a Super Bowl until they got Terrell Davis, and he had a running game to go with it. So it's not some guys don't do well in the playoffs because they're not playoff performers. It's just those guys like Marino, like Elway, they get their teams there. They put them on their back and get them there, but ultimately something happens. you know. And when, when you're playing the best team, when you get the higher you go, the better the teams you're playing, supposedly, some of those weaknesses in the rest of the team get exposed. So I wouldn't put Tannehill in the same category as Marino or Elway. Tannehill, you know, it's the rest of the team was well, and he kind of just – I'm not putting him in the same thing. No, I know you're not. I'm, I, as I'm not saying you're pairing one to the other. I'm just saying the difference between a guy like Marino and a guy like Elway, who also had similar playoff failures, is it's not really on them. It's Tannehill, everybody else Tannehill around him. Tannehill has as many championships great. as Dan Marino. Exactly, but I would say that – Tannehill is a long way to go before he even gets <laughs> close to the, to the same way. zip code of Dan Marino. So, but I but I was not suggesting you were comparing the two. I understand the the the. Just making well, sure, I, pal, uh, because every little yes. bit counts. Every clarification. If we're going to get to episode fifty-one, we got to right. be on the same page here. You know. Well, I'm looking at the clock, we're getting close to episode fifty-one. <laughs> okay, pal, take us. Are we going to the next game? Yeah. Um, 
the Niners of Green Bay, look, what can you what can I say? Uh, the Niners say have it, this say formula. it, please say the it. The Niners have this formula of as long as we speaking of quarterbacks you can't depend on, as long as you know we keep Jimmy <laughs> G under plastic and only let him throw a little bit and, and not take too many chances, we have a great defense. God, that defense is good. And we have a lot of guys who can run real fast and are real slippery. Uh, and that's all it takes. All, it's all it's going to take to win. And if we have a little bit of special teams luck, blocking a punt and a field goal, and then kicking a 45-yard field goal in the snow, we win. By the way, shout out to Robbie Gold. I know the people in Chicago who had him as their kicker are kicking themselves, pun intended, that they let him go and got you know double doink Cody Parkey, who was responsible you know for you know them not being in the the not advancing in the playoffs, the one good year they had under Matt Nagy. Um, but that's just, you know, I, Aaron Rodgers, I don't, I can't explain why he had the kind of day he had, why he panicked toward the end and was only throwing he to Devontae Adams. That's why. I don't want to say he sucks. He sucks. I mean, he still had a game with no interceptions, threw for over 250 yards, That, but that's very pedestrian for a guy like Rodgers. How do you lose a Lambeau field? Like, come on. But there's something, by the way, you know, he's, since they won the Super Bowl, He's seven and nine in the playoffs, and that mystique about Lambeau Field being impenetrable for visiting fans hasn't been that way for a long time. I mean, it's been a long time since that was the case. Um, I don't know what happens to to Rodgers. Now, some of those losses aren't his fault. There's some like the bizarre uh, onside kick in the loss to Seattle. I mean, but it just something happens. He kind of just disappears. Or the team doesn't win when he plays. He's doing a lot of things outside of football. He's involved in a lot of things. That he's not focused. But he, um, I don't know. He he's. Well, let me ask you this, Rob: Is, is it just on Rodgers, or do you feel Green Bay coaching the way they played their system and everything else let them down too? I think this. I think apparently, from what I hear from um, you know, other. Uh, reporters that especially ones that cover the team in Green Bay is that this guy, the 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 special teams coach for Green Bay, whose name escapes me, has been on the chopping block since you know the beginning of the season. So the, the special teams was the Achilles heel of the Packers. No more, not any more so than we saw on Saturday. So I wouldn't put it on Matt Lafleur's shoulders. I don't think I, you know, they had the chance. They also lost. A.J. Dillon in the game, so half of the running attack was gone. But without that, you know, San Francisco wasn't scoring any touchdowns. If they were able to, to make that field goal or not have their punt blocked, um, Green Bay wins that game. Terrible conditions. Um, they did just enough to win, and the special teams let them down. So, again, I don't pin this on Aaron Rodgers. Um, at, least he had the, at least he did have the ball taken out of his hands like last year in the game against Tampa Bay. So... You know, I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it's too simple to say, well, special teams, you know, special teams coach failed them and that's why they lost. But, you know, it's another what if sort of situation, another lost season, another head scratcher for Rodgers and the Packers. Again, one Super Bowl appearance. Now, he is one for one. Um, that was now 12 years ago. And since winning the Super Bowl, he's got a losing record in the playoffs. 12 years ago when me and you weren't in our 50s. No, we hadn't even had one show, let alone 50. Yeah. So, well, I mean, um, should we spend the next 20 minutes uh, wondering what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? We're going to I'm going to mention that briefly after we go through the games. Okay. 
and what's going to happen with Tom Brady. And speaking of Tom Brady, hey, there's a professional radio segue for you. Mm. Your pals, the Rams, upset, I'll put that in quotes, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I believe El Baldo called on last week's show. I think I was 0 for 3 on the other games, but I did call this one. I did you say did, that. And, uh, and I, I, will, I will tip my cap to the logo-challenged L.A. Rams that I – that I dearly do have a soft spot for. At least they wore the uh, almost the old, almost. you know, royal blue and yellow uh, unis, which I love so much. But I got to tell you, man, McVeigh and that team—that ah, was a pretty good game. Well, Stafford they, played well too, man. Everybody played well. They 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 took the the restraints off of Stafford. You know, the first game, um, they sort of said, "All right, you know, just do just enough." Uh, only threw for like a hundred and some odd yards. It was really about the ground game and the defense. But in this game, and yeah, let's not. I don't want to ignore the fact that they had that twenty-seven to three lead and won thirty to twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. And you could see both Stafford and Sean McVay the panic in their eyes as Brady Shitting their was, pants is, is yes, correct, right? As Brady was doing what Brady does, but <laughs> that was great finish too, man. What what if again? What I predicted with the Rams came true, which is when the Eagles played the Bucks in the first round in wild, super wild card weekend, they had guys like, and I love this man because he played 10 years for us, but Ryan Kerrigan, he's not scaring anybody. You're not game planning for Ryan Kerrigan. He came in and, you know, sacked right a bull rush right up the middle, sacked Brady twice. He was sacked three times on three consecutive third downs in the first half in that game. And I said... You know, their offensive line, which lost, you know, Worfs and then lost his backup Wells, that's going to be problematic. And what did the Rams do? They hassled and harassed Brady all day between uh, Floyd and Aaron Donald and Von Miller. It was, I mean, Brady barely had any time. I mean, he, people say, well, he looked like he's lost something. He was having a, a very bad day. He looked all of his age. Well, you would too if you had no protection on one side and Brady doesn't move. Brady's a statue back there. The genius of Brady is he processes information so quickly that you barely have time to get to him before he's released the ball and made his decision. Again, it's the software that he has, not necessarily the hardware. Mm-hmm. Go well, very well said, Mr. Kerry. So, well, thank you. Um, that defense of the Rams, uh, much, much better than the defense of the Eagles made life miserable all day for, um, for Tom Brady, which is why I think in the game, the, the San Francisco LA game, I, I'm looking at looking for a real defensive struggle because you got two of the best defenses when they're all healthy, both on the field at the same time. Um, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about what the future holds for Tom Brady because the the chatter has begun about is this my last season and so on and so forth. But similar uh, to like you know Rodgers and Brady, similar. Decisions they have to make, uh, same as me and you here in the Honchos. Exactly. It's going to be a 50 well, you know, episode. We're going to take some time off and talk with our families and let our wounds heal before we make a decision <laughs> on 51. See what but kind I, of endorsement deals yeah. we can hang on to. <laughs> Both of these, um, what's interesting about this game, the, the, the Niners and the Rams coming up, is you have two coaches who, at least for this playoffs, well, for Kyle Shanahan – He's the guy that does better playing from behind. And McVay is better playing from ahead. So it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup works out. But I, you can't ignore the fact, again, they're up 27-3 to three and let Tom Brady come all the way, almost come all the way back. Now, oh, yeah. I, I don't 
I think that's more about Tom Brady uh, making chicken salad out of chicken shit than it is about, you know, the defense not playing. Well, I do think there's something to be said for when you're up 27-3, even against, the you know, Tom Brady, uh, your defense lets off the gas a bit. You play a little bit more conservatively. You try to run the clock out to win the game. But we're going to see a very common theme this week, this past weekend, which is you got to watch how much time you're leaving on the clock for the other team. And when Leonard Fournette on that gutsy fourth down call by Bruce Arians runs into the end zone and they tie the game at 27, well, 26, and they kick the extra point tied at 27, there's 42 seconds left. And my first thought was 42 seconds, all they need is a field goal. That's a lot of time with a guy like Stafford and Cooper Cup, who uh, head-scratchingly was open on two possessions to get them into field goal range. Well, that's... I, there are some assistant coaches this past weekend who were you know, hot candidates to be head coaches. Uh, those resumes might have been put to the bottom of the pile. Well, a that's a big bit. thing about these games too. You can we can all we we you know we look past like this you know breaking down you know particular uh, analogies of mm-hmm. how the games because you you just get caught up in oh my god this is crazy what's going on. But when you look at you know the Buffalo KC game, you look at the the um, the Bucks here and the Rams. I mean, there was some really bad defense going on. There was there was a lot of some uh, bad pre-event. coaching decisions made. I don't understand why there is such a thing as prevent defense. I would just play defense the same way the whole game. If you've been successful, just keep doing it. Isn't that insane? I but the, I, I've been asking that question for as long as I've been watching football. Um, and then if we get to the Bills and Chiefs, I mean, what what more can be said about a game that just in the last two minutes, twenty five points are scored, thirty two points after the two minute warning if you include overtime. I I. I this is another one where I say the Bills are so talented at every position, and I wonder if it's the coach that's holding them back. I really do. Um, they, I mean, everywhere up and down the roster, everywhere you look, they have, if at worst, the second-best quarterback in the AFC in Josh Allen. At worst. I mean, he's phenomenal. And the balls on that guy on fourth and 13 uh, – to pass and sometimes to even run for a first down. He treats fourth and 13 like it's, you know, second and two. It doesn't bother him at all. He's like, okay, I need 13 yards. We're just going to zip a pass through three defenders to a wide open guy that no one's heard of. You're going to take away my best receiver and Stephon Diggs. I'll just throw it to Gabriel Davis, you know, for 200 yards and four touchdowns. All he did was be the first player in NFL history to have four receiving touchdowns in one playoff game. <laughs> a guy that no one outside of Buffalo had heard of yep. before Sunday. Josh Allen's amazing. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. That game, I mean, the way it started, McDermott calling aggressive plays all the way down the field saying, we're not going to punt. We're not going to let off the gas with this team. You can't ever let your guard down against the Chiefs. They went right down the field, converted a couple first fourth downs, 7 nothing. I'm like, all right, here we go. Buffalo is going to, you know, reclaim the title of best team in the AFC. And then they went to a shell. Then they just, they just sort of disappeared. And I thought this was going to be a blowout like last year's AFC championship game in which Buffalo went down the field, scored. Uh, and then it seemed to be all Kansas City after that, even though it was doesn't quite like that. It just felt like Kansas City watched Buffalo score and then said, OK, hold my beer and then slaughtered them in that game. This game, it was looking like the same thing. Just where did where did that aggressive Buffalo offense go? I mean, obviously, they they came back in the second half and. 
you know, some of the, 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 that decision on first down when they needed a quick score and there was that 75 yard bomb again to Gabriel Davis. Fantastic. It was awesome. So McDermott woke up and said, all right, let's continue to be aggressive. You can never stop playing against the chiefs. Okay. The chiefs are like in all those movies where you think the bad guy is dead and you turn around and, and you're, you, you, you walk away thinking you're safe. And then the hand comes up and grabs you down. You're a game of Thrones guy, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Except for the last episode. You remember when the red Viper, I can't remember his actual name. Yeah, Edward, no, yeah, yeah. Mountain. Yeah, yeah. To see if Peter Dinklage was going to go to jail or not. Yeah, the Mandalorian killed him. Yes, the Mandalorian. He had the mountain down. Yep. Didn't know he was dead and stood up and started celebrating. And then, you know, it didn't end well for the Cut Mandalorian. Cut his calves and everything, man. His he got ankles his crushed. Oh. Got his head crushed like grape. <laughs> okay, that's the Chiefs are the mountain and the Bills are the Mandalorian. Or any team that plays the Bills or the Chiefs or the, is the Mandalorian because you can't ever be satisfied with any kind of a lead. Yes. Uh, McDermott's history uh, prior to becoming the Bills head coach. Wh- wh- where did he come from, assistant coaching? What, what was he doing uh, before he came to the Bills? Most famously, he was defensive coordinator, I believe, for the Eagles. Um, okay. and he, may so, have worked, he may have worked in Carolina with Ron Rivera, but I'm not sure about that one. I know he was defensive coordinator – the Eagles. So he knows yeah. defense. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm bringing it up is, you know, like I said, I think uh, even some of the diehard uh, Bills fans, I'm you know, putting a, like all of this on McDermott, especially for, you know, how he played the last time, the clock and everything else, and you're going with the defense, stuff like that. But a guy get like this in a big spot, uh, you're in KC, you're up against, you know, one of the best teams. Look, there's four AFC championships in a row for the Chiefs and Reed and Mahomes. I mean, this is just, you got to recognize that. But, you know, maybe you have to look at a little bit of an inexperience here settling in. Uh, he's a human being. Uh, the pressure, um, the decision-making, uh, in shock, <laughs> the way Mahomes answered, those guys answered, you know. Um, By the way, he was defensive coordinator. just looked up defensive coordinator. Yes, I was right for the Eagles, and then the Panthers, and okay. then he went to become head coach of the Bills. Yeah, I mean, look, you—, you you, you know, a lot of people rave about the talent on the Bills here and what they've been building here over the last four or five years. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, national mediocrity, all that stuff. Hey, look, until you win, to me, as far as I'm concerned, you can have, you know, all right, great, you're wonderful, whatever, but you got to win. They, you know, sometimes the best teams have to lose. They have to have this crushing defeat to remember what that tasted like. And if they, it, it is hard to get back there, but the Bills are going to get back there next year. If the, they stay the, healthy. Yes, they're way too talented. It's just, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to put all the blame on Sean McDermott. I just, I feel like you look at that team. And you look at the last few years, you know, now that Josh Allen has really established himself, it took him a couple of years, but now that he's established himself, it's just when you can't figure out why they can't get over the hump, and it, clearly they, they, they didn't choke in this game, far from it. They played their best when it mattered, and that's also coaching. So I'll give, you know, McDermott credit for that. They, they if The coach was panicking. The team certainly wasn't. But when you look at some of the decisions, like, kicking off to Kansas city instead of a squib kick to take a few seconds. You had 13 seconds, take a few seconds off the clock. Maybe we're talking about the bills going to the AFC championship game. I mean, I don't want to play the what if game, but you got to ask yourself, is it McDermott holding him back? I, I just, to me, when everything else is working and you've got so much talent and so much young talent and they added Stefan Diggs, the missing piece, a, a, a game breaking wide receiver, I don't know. Maybe it's the coach. I, I, I hate to say that, 
And I don't know that you know he was the the moment got too big for him. I mean, he's there could have been a lot been, of people in his headphones too, man. Yeah, I just and he admitted afterwards to his credit, and this I like when coaches do this when he said, you know, maybe I should have done the squib kick thing. He didn't say my players let me down. It was very much a put it on my shoulders, which you should. If you're the head coach, it, privately you might blast players and say, you know, you screwed me over by not doing this, but publicly you say, look, it was on me. Whatever happens, the team is a reflection of my coaching. You know, the same I, way Peel Carroll decided to pass instead of run. Uh, you know, yeah. Super Bowl, you, yeah. you put yourself out. You <laughs> fall on your own sword. Um, but, I, but again, I said, that, to go back to what I was saying about letting up on the Chiefs, you never let them up. And that's why when the Bills scored and there's 13 seconds left, and even the announcers were saying, oh, well, you know, everybody thought they were home free, and how, this, how could this have happened? Nobody expected this. The second I saw there were 13 seconds on the clock, I said, they're done. They left yeah. too much time on the clock. Obviously, you don't want to try to time it so that you score with no time left. I mean, you want to, if you can score, you score. But in 13 seconds for any other team would be a ridiculous ask. But 13 seconds to go 40, 50 yards, whatever it was, to get the field goal. For Patrick Mahomes, that's nothing. He, can, he did that literally in two throws. You well, left. I tweeted too, brother. I said his his offensive. I I firmly believe that offensive lines win championships, and well, Mahomes' it, offensive line they were heroic. At the and end they of the well they they helped him. They lost the Super Bowl last year because of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what their off season plan was to rebuild that line, which they absolutely did. Um, and I you know the Bills, you know their defense played well. Their offensive line played well. I mean, I think again, every there was no really nothing to really nitpick with either team, which is why the game unfolded as it did. And it just if if you've never watched a football game, and that Sunday night was the first football game you'd ever seen in your entire life, boy, you're going to be disappointed after you watch some more because you've seen <laughs> like football at its very very best, and then everything else is just going to be disappointing. In fact, this weekend, championship weekend, maybe slightly anticlimactic. I, I really. I know Kansas City lost to Cincinnati in the regular season. I don't know that it's going to be the same way again. I mean, you do have a great coach. No one really talks about Andy Reid. You know, they kind of take for granted, oh, you know, Mahomes, he's great, he's a wizard, a magician, all that is true. You still got a lot of coaching genius on that sideline. And I'm sure he's ready. He learned a few things from the last meeting. Um, and he'll be ready for him. And I, I, I mean, love the Cincinnati story. You got two teams that are young. Cincinnati will be back, Buffalo will be back, Kansas City will be back. I just don't think – I think the magic runs out um, for Cincinnati. Now, they have a great defense, but their offensive line – If again, if Tennessee got nine sacks, I, I, I shudder to think what uh, the Chiefs are going to be able to do with that offensive line. Shudder to think. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a 40 to nothing blowout, but I don't think we're going to get the same – back-and-forth contest that we had um, between the Bills and the Chiefs. Look, I, and, I will say stranger things have happened. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you there as you, we shake our heads, and it would be shocking if Mahomes isn't just taking the second half off on the bench with the six I would, in there. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? Frankly, I won't be surprised if it's a blowout for the Chiefs. I won't be surprised if the Bengals pull it off. Um, I will be surprised if the Bengals you know, beat them 35 to nothing. Unless Mahomes gets injured or, you know, Hill or Travis Kelsey get injured. 
And the Niners Rams, you know, a lot of people say making a big deal that, you know, the Niners have been uh, the Waterloo for the Rams, that they've beaten them, I think, six times in a row. And Sean McVay has a terrible record against Kyle Shanahan and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, now this is the third time we'll be playing each other. And at some point, sort of like we saw with Ryan Tannehill, at some point, you're going to need your quarterback. Now, that again, that formula of just throw the ball as little as you, as you need to and we'll run the ball and eat clock and have a great defense. I mean, if, if they can do it as well as they've been doing it, maybe they have a chance against the Rams, but if they have to start, if they need to play catch up, they have to score quickly. If the Rams jump out to another 27 to three lead, there is no Tom Brady to lead them back. So they need to keep that game close. And as I said, Kyle Shanahan doesn't know how to coach with a lead. So if he gets out to a big lead over the Rams, he'll figure out a way to let the Rams slowly come back in. Um, but if he can keep it close and not commit any stupid penalties, um, then the Niners could probably win. I, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to actually pick the Niners in this game. <gasps> I know, wow. shocking because you love you some blue and gold. Terrible Ram uniforms. Well, look, I'm uh, I like the Niners. I love them beating the Packers. And as far as my love hate with the Rams uh, this past year and everything, I have to look at it this way: the Rams are looking at two home games here. They win yeah. this thing, and they got it in their house. And if you look across, whether I mean, shit, if 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 the Bengals somehow beat the Chiefs, I mean, the, you know, you don't want to look ahead to the Niners. What I'm going to no. just say in short. If the Rams lose this game this weekend, it's because they beat themselves. They let it, it that's it. I mean, and if the Niners go out there and take advantage of mistakes, um, and they get to Stafford, and you never know injuries, uh, key guys or whatever. But I, I think there's there's a ton, there's a heaping ton of pressure on McVay. There is. Well, I think the but and also on Stafford. But I think Stafford answered a lot of those questions with those two wins, especially last week when he played so well. And if they turn the ball over four times again, like they did against Tampa, McVay's been here. He's he's been, been to the show. He's so been to the big game. So is Shanahan. No, they, but I'm talking about Stafford. Stafford. Oh, Stafford. Him. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if there's four turnovers again, like last week, the Niners are going to capitalize on those better than Tampa Bay did. Um, they were very opportunistic. So, so I could play another dumber dumber clip here right now, dumb and dumber. <laughs> it would be that scene where he says, "So you're saying there's a chance?" Right. I. I it, <laughs> You know, it it really this is such a coin flip, but I just think you know I, I have this feeling, and I could be wrong. And you know, I don't. To me, it doesn't matter who wins. It's gonna be. I'm just looking forward to a good game. I have no real horse in this race, but I just have a feeling the Niners are gonna pull it out and then get pummeled to death by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right, so you're taking Niners. I'm gonna go with the Rams at home, and okay. we're both taking the Chiefs, right? All right. Okay. I'm sorry, I Cincinnati. Again, nothing personal. I just I don't see it. But if After Cincinnati does win, I tell you what, this is me and Rob promise this. If Cincinnati wins, if they go to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl, me and Rob are making a real trip and we're gonna do a show in Cincinnati. Outstanding. I'm right there with you. Right there right. with you. <laughs> Sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so uh, there you go. Uh, you want to just look at the uh, overtime, y- your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and, look, and the great Sean was, Payton is retiring as well. 
there was a lot of whining about the overtime rule. And, you know, the overtime rule, it's it, it, it sucks. They all suck. All the overtime rules suck. There is no easy solution. There's just a lot of whining and complaining. Um, I don't like any gimmicky overtimes in the playoffs. I don't care about in the regular season. In the playoffs, I like just the game to be as pure as possible. I'm okay if they don't change the rule. I say, you know, you, I'm one of those people that say, look, you have the opportunity. They have the opportunity to score. You have the opportunity to play defense. Play the same defense you've been playing during the, the, the regulation time. And here's another suggestion. Try real hard not to let that team tie it to go into overtime. That being said, because that's a very lazy response, just in the playoffs, here's what you do. And even, even the referee said it. We're going to play a whole new game. We're starting the game over again. You get two timeouts per, you know, quarter or per half um, and so on, per overtime period. You get two timeouts. I would just say, look, overtime starts the game all over again. 15-minute quarters, you play 15-minute overtime, you get three timeouts. 15 minutes, it ends, you play the whole quarter. When it ends, you move on to the next quarter. Like You know, they did this long before you know, we had this new overtime rule back in the seventies, for instance, they played playoff games. There's a game between the chiefs and the dolphins that went to the second overtime, seven minutes into the second overtime, just keep playing. And I understand there's safety concerns, but how often does it really happen in the 12 years since they changed the overtime rule to, if you score a touchdown first, you win. Otherwise the other team gets a chance to score in the playoffs. There have been 12 overtime games. That's one a year. And in those 12 games, in 11 of them, the team that won the coin flip won the game. And in seven of those games, that team won by scoring a touchdown first. So those kind of stats tell me it doesn't happen very often overtime in the playoffs. And when it does, it seems really unfair. So just play overtime. You know, not in the regular season. In fact, I would just say, if you really want to keep safety as a main concern for the regular season, but with a you know preserve the sanctity of the game in the playoffs, just say there is no overtime in the regular season. If it's a tie, it's a tie. And then we go to the playoffs, you know, those safety concerns are minimized because you didn't have to worry about overtime games. You play just regulation football. You get to the playoffs, and it's you go one period of one period, it's not hockey, one quarter of overtime. And if you're still tied, you go into the second quarter of overtime and you keep playing until you get to a winner and that's to me is the only fair way to do it because you know if you think about that great display that's put on sunday night and josh allen just has to sit there and watch you know his heart get ripped out i mean there's no way around that so this is the best they can do with a bad overtime situation i don't advocate for a change but if they're thinking about making a change because of all the whining about how bad it is my change would be okay we'll just play it like we should yeah but you know a lot of them into one overtime period into the next overtime period until we get to a winner i don't think that's as easy to do in football as it is maybe in the nhl and and even the nba i mean the nba has a, a really good overtime setup too and i think there's there's just a lot more variables in, in, in basketball as far as possession, the clock, and time 
Well, you, you pretty much know you're always going to get a winner. It's, it's very rare that basketball games go on and on and on as far as overtimes. Um, hockey, logistically, too, uh, only in the playoffs. It, it's a good system. It's going to be that way. It should never change, you know, because, again, But, but everybody's on the ice or on the court in those situations. You're not taking half your team and making them sit on the bench until it's their turn to play. It, it's like in baseball, you have home team and visiting team both get an at-bat in extra innings. Yes, I understand. I wasn't even going to go there. I, I think it's just a bigger. I think there's a lot to do with. um, I think TV, you know, the contracts. These are mostly uh, national networks that are on. You know, it's not like you know most hockey is just a local network that it's on the games and stuff. And even when it gets to the playoffs, whatever. What I I was my thought was when we were talking about this. Look, as far as I'm concerned, the rule is the rule. It is what it is. Win the game, and you don't have to worry about overtime. Granted, right. if you do tie the game, which gets you into overtime, you know, you both go in. Yeah, the Bills fans are upset, but if the Bills had a one, then the Chiefs fans would have been upset. So right, the NFL that- can never win there. But here's my last thought on this. I just think for the NFL to keep playing periods until it's over, you have seventy to 80,000 people in a stadium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending, you know, and there's a schedule here. And the way the NFL schedule has it, you're getting down to two games per, you know, six games per weekend, four games per weekend. You know, it's I don't think it, that totally screws up their whole maximum maximization of the money and everything as far as the early game and the afternoon game and everything else. And we joked last week they had what the game on Monday nights and then all that other stuff. I think it's it really is just cut and dry. And you have to look at the percentages and the numbers. I what what is the numbers? But most NFL games don't go into overtime. Yes. It's a brief, brief counterpoint. Please. Okay. In the regular season, again, uh, all that makes sense, what you're talking about. In the playoffs, and I, let me just reiterate, I'm not for changing the rule. I keep the rule as it is. It's the best of a bad situation. I'm just saying if there, someone's thinking about a change, that's the change I would make. But in the playoffs, to address both the fans and the stands, who if, if you're Kansas City – you're the home fans and even some visiting fans. And you're like, all right, if you're the Buffalo Bills or you're the Chiefs, I guess, because they're the ones that tied it up. You're the Chiefs and you tied it up you're like, all right, now we're going to we're going to we're going to wipe the slate clean and we're going to play another quarter. It's I know it's not as exciting as sudden death, but it's another quarter of football, of playoff football, where the intensity is way up here. And as for TV, if you think the TV ratings are good when the game just goes to four quarters, imagine how great the ratings are going to be when it goes into overtime quarter one and overtime quarter two. And no matter what, but listen, no matter what is on the schedule, I mean, like especially for the let's take the second game if it's the last game of the night, no matter what they got cooking, like I think uh, NCIS Hawaii was going to be on after this game. I guarantee you. The networks are like, let's see, another quarter of a high-stakes playoff game versus, you know, NCIS. But what if it's the I... afternoon game? What, is the, what if it's the early okay. game? Well, that's then, – then you've got an issue. But yeah, it happens and then you so can't in... have two separate issues. But it happens so infrequently that if it, did yeah, exactly. happen, if it did happen to go over, then you just say, look, uh, you know, it's, it's two different networks. You can keep watching this game, and you can watch your other game, and we'll give you updates. I mean – I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, you know, what happens to the afternoon games when, again, there's been 12 games in 12 years that have gone to overtime, uh, two of which 
were an AFC championship game as the last game of the night. And one was the Super Bowl, which obviously there's no a game that that can interrupt um, and no counter programming. So I just think, again, those are valid concerns after what are the other games in the schedule, other programming that's on, but it, the infrequency of it happening and the mass, the, the audiences are not going to drift away from an overtime thriller. If anything, they're going to stay with it and maybe more people start watching. I have the solution, by the way. I know the solution is just to throw the whole league out and stop playing no, football. Oh, no, 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 no. Put, Please, both, your solution? put both kickers at the 50-yard line and go. And See, go, I don't want go, anything go gimmicky. Kick for kick. Want, Come on. The, it would be awesome. The, the it's college called football. Style. Let the I guys who to, use their feet finish no. the game. I don't want to shoot out. I don't want a college style. <laughs> Let's just trade two-point conversions. I just want regular football, pure football. A quarter, two timeouts, a two-minute warning. When the when the gun goes off to end the first overtime quarter, if you're tied, great. Go into another one. If you're not tied, game over. And, and you know, maybe in that you play out the whole quarter, uh, one team, you know, scores 21 points, and it ends up being a blowout. Okay. Nah, I don't like that. I don't like it. You know, yeah. I, and it's, I like the not, way it ended the other night. They're never going to initiate that kind of a rule. My, so, again, my point is just keep it the way it is. That's the best you can do. You know, you also – just because you know the ball doesn't mean you can't control the outcome. How, but, about, how about the defensive line has a, a suicide run no, competition? No, no gimmicks. <laughs> not in the playoffs. Get all the big fat linemen. And whoever not, outruns no, the other guys, no, that's no, who wins. No starting with a runner on second base in the 10th. No, you know, three on three, you know, uh, shootout. Oh, that. come on, but, Rob. Try it one season. No. No, I don't want any of that shit. <laughs> all that, that's all bullshit. How about There's the mascot bullshit. runs back and forth in the end zone, and the third string quarterback has to hit him in the head? <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, Paul's now mocking me. What? What am I doing? You're you're mocking the seriousness. No, I'm not mocking you. <laughs> I'm having some fun here. No, no, you're, you're cutting me to the core by no, saying I'm let's not. have these 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 contests where we put people. Why don't we just pick out? I'll tell you what we do. We find the hottest woman in a Bills jersey and the hottest woman in a Chiefs jersey, and just put it up to a fan vote. How, well, how, how about, about this? Like in the game the other day, to women have everywhere. The top, comments. Have the top fans. Run across the field, and then the the top linemen get to crush them. I'll tell you what, I mean, let me make clear. Let me let me just re restate my last position. We'll take the most attractive <laughs> man and woman in a Bills jersey and a Chiefs jersey, and then let the let America vote like American go. Idol. There you go. You can call and text in the special text line and say, "We put our vote in for the Chiefs. We put our vote in for the Bills." You know what? That's almost so ridiculous. I could see it happening one day. Just oh. putting it to a vote. Who played the better game? Don't worry about getting Remember the injured. movie Running Man? What? Remember the movie Running Man? Yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yep. And Jim McKay? Just let America vote. That's where football should go. Get Good fireball old. out there. Fireball. Fireball. <laughs> All right. And then just to, to kind of clean up this segment, uh, Sean Payton has resigned. Uh, two things. One, he saw the writing on the wall that his team is circling the drain. And he's getting out while the getting is good. Drew Brees is retired. He's looking at Taysom Hill uh, and Trevor Simeon and Jameis Winston as his choices. And I think he's like, you know, now's a good time to 
to hit the high road. And my prediction is... I heard is he's joining uh, Jimmy Buffett in the Coral Reefer Band. He's going to... Maybe. But he'll also go to NBC, <laughs> be an analyst for a year, wait for the Cowboys to fire dopey Mike McCarthy, and then, and then join the Cowboys, which he's always... Which, you know, Jerry Jones has been longing for him since he let him go the first time. He was an offensive That's coordinator. for Bill Parcells. The connections are there. That's a great hire for... You know, for Jerry Jones to get Sean Payton back in the building, and certainly imagine what Sean Payton would do with that offensive talent. Are you versus... the first guy in sports bringing this up, or has this been talked about? No, I I, I thought about it, and then I heard a lot of people echoing my sentiments. But okay. the first, as soon as I heard that he was resigning, I said, "Oh, he's going to become coach of the Cowboys." It just makes too much sense, especially after the way they he outcoached himself. Mike McCarthy did um, in. Uh, the Dallas playoff game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Here's my 30-second prediction. Tom Brady, he's going to play. Okay, and Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I've been saying this since the beginning, and I'm, I'm holding firm to it, that he's not going to leave Green Bay. I'll put one asterisk by this. If there's anything to indicate he may leave, the, the Broncos just hired Nathaniel Hackett, who's the offensive coordinator for the Packers to coach the Broncos. The Broncos are one of those teams looking for quarterback stability. So if he's going to leave Green Bay, which I don't think he is, he's probably going to go to Denver if he ends up leaving uh, Green Bay. But I still think I've been saying this all even before the season started. He's not leaving Green Bay. He might retire, but he's not going to play football for anybody but Green Bay. So there you go. All right. But I think I Rogers like, com- uh, um, Brady comes back. You, like you want to hear my prediction? Please. Rogers and Brady will form the new overtime rules <laughs> team. <laughs> They'll be in charge of the overtime rules in the NFL. I walked right into that one, folks. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Look, man, great football, great stuff. Mr. Cooney is always excellent commentary and observations of these games week to week. And I know it's sad, man. Yeah, I got two more you know, football weekends for you. Of course, the Pro Bowl, which we're going to... Overanalyze in episode 54 if we get there. That's what I think of the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it is in Vegas this year, baby. What? Yeah, yeah baby. Hooray. All right, wait, here are my thoughts on the on the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I hear you. All right, let's do a little baseball, hockey, and hoops here real quick. Woohoo! As we start making a beeline for the 50th dope of the week coming up there, folks. Don't go anywhere. Come on, Rob. Episode 50. You're going to clap your hands? You're going to do it for everybody? Come on, let's go! Woo! Yeah! All right, baby. Hey, your buddy Louis uh, Rios, he's on the, on the chat again. He says NFL needs to be both teams have a shot at scoring. The Bills game was just said. There's, there's, there's a commentary. Like From I said, fans. both teams have the ability to control. Oh, well, we're not talking about this anymore. Sorry, we've moved no, on. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to help one of our listeners. Never mind. That was Paul I'll that give you cut his me off. Cut you off, Louie, not me. <laughs> All right, baby. Um, look, hoops, hockey, baseball. I'll, give, I'll throw it back to you, pal. I got a few things to say, but what do you got to say? What do I have to say? About uh, hockey, hoops, and uh, baseball. Good question. I was just looking up the uh, our good friend, the Ingleside Lakers, just to give everyone a quick update. They still we'll talk in front of your microphone, though, so everybody can hear you. They still play in the NBA. They are currently 
uh, in the ninth seed. So as of this point, they're looking at the play-in game uh, in the Western Conference. They have benched Russell Westbrook. There's been some chatter. They want to trade for John Wall, which would be exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from the Lakers do this year. Um, so, you know, stay tuned as the Lakers continue to just spiral Is Dave down. Robinson available? At this point, he would fit right in with the Space Cowboys that are um, the Los Angeles Lakers. So, um, John Stockton, do we have time to get into the John Stockton mess? Probably not. You know what? I'm Just like last week, Just if there is a 51st show, we'll save the Golden State and John Stockton stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about again, San Francisco. It's there's, on there's no time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about the Warriors and John Stockton uh, next week, if there is a 51st if, show. Yes, if there is a 51st we'll show. That. Yeah, we'll find um, out. We won't let anybody know ahead of time if there is. I'd rather save the baseball talk for uh, – the lockout is still going on, folks. Yeah, lockout. It, look, we just – I want to congrats uh, – say congrats to Big Poppy getting it. Yeah, you know what? The lockout is still going on. They're 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 making some progress, um, and we'll leave it at that. But yes, uh, the Hall of Fame in the news again. David Ortiz, the only member of the 2022 class. Uh, congratulations to him. Well deserved. Um, he. I'm looking at the the votes now. He got 78 uh, percent of the vote. So you know, not Mario Mariano Rivera land. He's no next, Yankee. The next closest was. Was Barry Bonds at sixty six percent, Clemens sixty five percent, and uh, Scott Rowland at sixty three percent. The only people to get over sixty percent. So Ortiz is in, Clemens, Bonds, Sosa out, Schilling out. Um, you know, such a, a complicated issue, the whole steroids thing. But I want to take, I want to step back from the steroids thing a moment. Kurt Schilling. Yeah, say what you know. As much of an asshole as Kurt Schilling may be, he's not out of the Hall of Fame because he's under the cloud of steroids. He's out of the Hall of Fame because of his politics and his beliefs. And I realize last year he told, basically told, the baseball writers to go f themselves um, and take him off the ballot. And he got, you know, he was trending at seventy plus, seventy plus, seventy plus. You need seventy five percent to get elected. And this year he fell down to fifty eight percent. But it really, it's enough already. It's high time that that the, the Hall of Fame, and I th- believe, let's see, I'm looking at the, the eligibility. Schilling, that was his last year of eligibility. So if he's going to get in, he's going to get in with one of these other committees they formed to get players in. But just enough already with the Schilling hate. You don't have to love him, but he's definitely, from credentials only, a Hall of Famer. And as for the steroid guys, you know, I, I realize that, there's a lot of hand-wringing and teeth-gnashing about, you know, why is the all-time hit king and the all-time home run king and one of the, the seven-time Cy Young They cheated, that's why. They cheated. And you know what? And that's fine. They they did. But they're so defiant about it. And the same thing with Pete Rose. Their, their defiant stance is really what's keeping them out. I mean, if they had a press conference, the three of them, or four of them, Rose and Sosa and Clemens and Bond, said, all right, you know, look, America... We're really sorry. I know this would never happen, but just play theater to mind me for. <laughs> they don't have to apologize to America. They got to apologize to the sports writers. Just say, look, we're really sorry that we were we were assholes about this, and you know we cheated, and you know baseball, since they weren't really doing anything about it, even though steroids were banned in 1991, they kind of turned a blind eye to it because 
the home run chase saved baseball, just like Ripken's pursuit of Gehrig's record helped save baseball in the 90s coming off the strike and the wiped out World Series. So they tacitly agreed that oh, steroids were okay. All that aside, we cheated. We're sorry. We should have been more contrite, and now we let us into the Hall of Fame. Although in Pete Rose's case, it's about the gambling thing. It's not about uh, – if I'm Pete Rose, I'd say, hey, baseball now is deals with you know online gambling and casinos and FanDuel and all those other sites. But the players aren't betting on the game and the managers aren't betting I, the game. They're not allowed to because it's against the rules. It smells hypocritical. But, all, but really, just again, with Pete Rose, just apologize already. Just say you're sorry. You know, sometimes you got to suck it up and apologize to people that you know were really in the wrong. You just got to be a bigger person. Maybe they don't want to get in that bed. That's why they're not apologizing. They don't care. I I can't speak for Sosa, Bonds, and Clemens, but it feels to me like Pete Rose has been sniffing around the door of baseball since Giamatti banned him, you know, 30 years ago. But did he ever say he was sorry? That's the thing. That's all he needs to do. He he doesn't want to do it. He's going to get enshrined after he dies, which is a shame because it's just what he did as a player. And I don't know if you did he gamble when he was a player. Did that ever come out? Obviously, he gambled when he was a manager. I would say you know, yes. if he gambled, if he gambled as a manager, he definitely gambled as a player. But we don't know that for sure. I mean, I, I don't doubt it, but nothing's ever come out definitively. Look, we're going to figure all this out on Pete Rose special. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go down the, the summertime topic of should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame. My point is that these guys that are left out. For their crimes against baseball, I'll put that in quotes. They they're the ones that are most defiant. I mean, guys like Mike Piazza, who thrilled that he's in the Hall of Fame, also played under the cloud of steroid suspicion. Biggio and Bagwell, I believe at least one of them is in the Hall of Fame, if not both. Cloud of suspicion about steroids, but the difference is they kept their heads down and. You know, didn't try to deny it, didn't make a, a big deal about it, didn't, you know, tell baseball to go screw itself. And they got in. They might have had to wait a little longer than they should have, but they got in. The, the punishment was you're not getting in on the first ballot. You know, you, you did everything right. You were a gentleman about it. You didn't deny it. You just said, okay, the steroid submission is out there. I'm just going to go do my job. And that's, and, you know, no fuss, no muss. These guys, Clemens and Bonds and Sosa, are so like Rafael Palmero will never get into the Hall of Fame either. I don't know if he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but his congressional performance, or, you know, his performance in front of Congress, where he had to point put his finger out and said, I, you know, I've never touched the stuff. And then, you know, an hour and a half later, he was busted for doing steroids, you know, for taking it. He just he screwed himself. So these guys need to figure out how to play nice with the baseball writers. Otherwise, we're looking at, you know, a lot of posthumous elections. And that's a shame because really their achievements on the field, um, you know, speak volumes. And and I, I will say what hurts Clemens and Bonds and Sosa also is the fact that since they've left the game, nobody's really come close to doing any of the things that they did. Yeah. Um, so I did that. Not that that should keep them out, but, it you know, it is sort of telling that baseball hasn't reached those heights no players reach those heights since uh, they left. But we'll see. Put the yeah. mascots on the mount. <laughs> That's that I would do. <laughs> one runs for Clemens, one runs for Bonds. Yep. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy for, you know, he got in his first ballot, Big Poppy. Uh, again, deservedly so. Another guy, he was named in the Mitchell Report. 
David yes. Ortiz. But again, he just played. And I, I you know, I realized he got in the first ballot, so my whole thing about the whole punishment doesn't really uh, apply here. I think there's a different case to be made. David Ortiz sort of was at the end, the tail end of the steroid era into the, the post-steroid era. Um, but his just he's just his accomplishments were so larger than life and like um his name escapes me who was the gm that brought a championship to both the cub theo epstein like theo epstein brought the championship to the cubs and to the red sox you know ortiz was a big part of that first championship in you know a thousand years as according to red sox fans he was the red sox you know so you know good for him and uh, deservedly so. And uh, there's other guys in this ballot that deserve it. I mean, at some point you got to let Scott Rowland in, Andrew Jones, uh, A. Rod will also never get in. And I'm my heart does not break for Alex Rodriguez. Um, but there's guys in here that you know you could have made room for Scott Rowland in your heart. You could have taken some of those votes away from Alex Rodriguez and given them to Scott Rowland. I'm not sure what the holdup is. Um, and a guy like Jeff Kent. Also, as much of a poison pill, pain in the ass Jeff Kent is as a human <laughs> being, he deserves to be in the hall. Uh, but I guess playing with Barry Bonds, that's going to weigh heavily on the voters' minds as well. And what a dick he was. God, he was an oh, asshole. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, Mr. Cuny, the language here. Well, I apologize from the heart of my bottom. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, congrats to Big Poppy. Hopefully the millionaires and the billionaires will work things out for the CBA. Uh, we'll get there. Hey, pal, uh, next weekend is the uh, NHL All-Star Game. Uh, we're at the halfway point of this uh, incredible uh, NHL 2021-22 campaign. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, you look at the top of the league there, uh, some impressive teams there, Rangers, Canes, Panthers, the Lightning. Uh, your Capitals are up there, Did too. Did you say the Lightning? Yeah, I said the Lightning. I think it's the Blightning. I'm like, that's a great name for him. If you did, if for if you don't like the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you hate him, you call him the Blightning. That's a oh, great name. Pretty cool. Right? Write that down. Put it on a hat. Put it on a T-shirt. Yes, the, cap, the Capitals are circling the drain fast. Um, ah, come here. You have no faith in your team. This is disgusting. I, I didn't they're say they're one goaltender away. There's a, they're trading one trade yes, move away. They, they have to make a trade for a goaltender because... You know, me and you know Uncle I mean? Tab were talking uh, earlier today about uh, maybe the flower coming to Washington from Chicago. No, you know what I like to see? It, again, it would never happen. I'd love to have them do one more run with Holtby because he's on the block. I know you brought that up last week, yes. Yeah. I remember. Just one more run. Just get the band back together for one Send more... Send an co- email. You know, get him on the rooftop. One more go around, play, get back, and, you know, that's it. Win the cup and go home. Go uh, go your separate ways again. All right. Well, the All-Star Games in Vegas uh, next weekend should be a hoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they got the, uh, we talked about before, they got the Pro Bowl, too. I mean, it's exciting times in Vegas, man. So, By the way, uh, if Flurry were to come to Washington in a trade, I'd, I'd be okay with that as well. I mean, well, he's certainly got the playoff experience. Hit the ding button there. Hit the ding button there. Please. I don't, I don't. I'll, oh, come the, on. I don't have the bell. The bell Cutie is ding moment. Me, the bell is letting me down. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple of quick things here in the NHL I just want to bring up. I'm going to uh, say a couple of names here, too, and get your thoughts here. I want to uh, send congratulations to Mr. Keith Yandel, uh, defenseman for the Flyers. Uh, 965 consecutive regular season games. He broke uh, Doug Jarvis's record. Congratulations to Keith. Um, uh, you know, to anybody who's never called in sick to work, obviously you don't have the pay scale. 
that Mr. Yandel has being a professional athlete. But still, congrats to him. Um, Drew Doughty tonight played in his 1,000th. I can't say 1,000th. Well, if you uh, say Drew Doughty, it's hard to say 1,000 after that. But Yeah, uh, yeah. so, I mean, uh, let me see. They're playing the Icelanders tonight, and they're up 2 nothing. And if, if I if I saw – no, he didn't. Uh, he didn't score tonight, but I think he's uh, – no, he doesn't even – yeah, he has an assist on the second goal to uh, Athanasiu is his last name, I believe, on the Kings here. Congratulations to Drew, Stanley Cup champion, gold medals, Canada's yep. hero. Good stuff for him. Uh, thousand just, games. Just to go back show. to Keith Yandel, I remember as a kid when Jarvis broke that record. Jarvis was a guy that you wouldn't have heard of outside of Washington and wherever else he played. Um, but when he broke that record, that was a pretty big deal in Washington because that's pretty much all the Capitals had to to hang their hat on, which is, <laughs> hey, we got the Iron Man streak here. Um, it, as I said to you before the show, it pains me that somebody who plays in the state of Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, won this, but better the Flyers than the than the the Penguins, I guess. Um, but yes, hats off to him. That's to play, you know, to play hockey every day or every game, and 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 all these guys, nobody gets out of a season clean. Everybody has some sort of nicks and scrapes and bruises. Um, I don't know. Spoiler alert: It's a really tough sport. So the fact that he can do that every day. And especially playing the kind of hockey they play now, as opposed to you know forty years ago when Jarvis broke the record. It's faster, it's bigger, um, more uh, potential for injury. It's just it's impressive. And I hate to say that about a Philadelphia Flyer, but you know it's impressive. And yeah, you, you know you. Well, you know, it's not like he's been a Philadelphia Flyer for life. You know, he's, he's no, but he's one now. Teams here, Mr. Yandel, you know, what now? Yeah, but the Flyers are suck, and they're they're. Haven't won a game since you know I don't know last spring. So, no, yeah. don't worry uh, about it. It's it's an individual mark for Mr. Yandel. I'm happy for him, I, you know. And now that that's not that there was a time that was the only thing we had in our history was hey we had the Iron Man whoop de do and now you know we've got a an actual Stanley Cup. So, you know we I'm okay. And a great that. third jersey, I suppose. Better than the Cleveland Guardians, i tell you that much. God, God help the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> uh, look, before uh, before we run out of time and you fall asleep. Um... I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> wow, look how late it is, though. I'm just looking at the clock. Good uh, Lord. See, I know. I know you. Cranky Cuny's coming up here real soon if we don't get the show wrapped up. <laughs> Mom, you know what I'm talking about. Grace, you know what I'm talking about. It's true. <laughs> All right, look, uh, Hank Lundquist, uh, former Capitol, uh, is getting his <laughs> number retired at the Garden tomorrow night. So when I say Hank Lundquist, Mr. Cuny, what do you think? Uh, one of the best goaltenders I've ever seen. He you know, certainly tortured the Capitals, you know, for many years, especially in the playoffs. I, you know, happy for him. I wish he had you – know, it's, it's – so sad that his career had to end. Pre- I realize it's hard to say prematurely when he was what, 38, but he had some mileage left, and that's why the Caps signed him. And I wish I could have seen him, you know, actually play uh, for the Capitals. But you know, I'm happy for him. He'll always be a Ranger. He'll never be a Capital. Never be a former Capital. If you're a hockey fan, you then you think Capitals when you think Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> there's something seriously wrong with him. Um, you know, it's not often that I tip my hat to a rival and say, you know, I like him, and I'm happy for him, and I liked watching him play, but I did. I li- I'm a big fan of goaltenders. I don't care who they play for. I love watching goaltenders. That's my favorite part of watching hockey is watching the goaltenders. I've always they've always been my favorite players. So, 
I like it. We'll, do, we'll, do, goal ten, we'll do a goaltending show here one night. Sure. Right after the Pete Rose show. <laughs> uh, obviously, me being a New York Strangers fan, had the pleasure of watching Hank uh, up close and personal here these last 14, 15 years. Uh, even though he did go and try and play for the Capitals, I won't hold out against him. And uh, it'll be nice to see his number go into the rafters because that's all the Rangers raised to the rafters these days are retired numbers. Uh, we need a championship again real soon. We'll see what happens. All right, another guy I want to bring up here is Clark Gillies. Um, passed away, unfortunately, last week. Anybody who lives out here on Long Island, um, just part of those great dynasty teams uh, on Long Island with the Islanders. Uh, they were the jewel of Long Island here in New York here for the early 80s. And uh, just a, a great guy off the ice as well, too. A uh, great ambassador of uh, not only the game, but the New York Islanders uh, between him uh, Butchie Goring, Bobby Nystrom, and Mike Bossy, who I know is also going through some health problems right now, too, uh, have were four of the main guys who stayed here on Long Island. So, um, Rob Cooney, when I say Clark Gillies, what do you think of? I, the same thing I think of when you mention any player who donned an Islanders sweater, especially in the 80s. I say they're all evil, and they ruined my life <laughs> when I was a kid. Now... Me that, too, but that, I had to get over that and show him that, some respect. That, that being said, one of the, you know, obviously one of the great teams I've ever seen, if I objectively speaking, they were great. And and I'm certainly not, I, I, it's very sad with, you know, with the, the passing of Clark Gillis. But, you know, uh, if you take them as a, as a team, any member of those early 80s Islanders, you know, they were already dead to me. So, I, you know, I can't really speak kindly of his accomplishments except – you know, his accomplishments, some of them came at the expense of my beloved Washington Capitals. And if you mention Pat LaFontaine in this house, you get punched in the face. Oh, I can't wait to come over. <laughs> I'm going to wear a LaFontaine jersey. You're not, I'm going to be, she will not be welcome. You should have, I'm going to write that down. You should not have told me that. That is fantastic. I got to, I got to wear one on the honchos. Maybe 51st episode. We'll see what happens. There certainly won't be a 51st episode. All right. Uh, and the last thing I want to, I wanna, just want to tip my hat to um, P.K. Subban. Obviously, his brother was involved with that uh, racial incident down in the ECHL uh, last week. Um, it's unfortunate that he has to speak about this at all. It's unfortunately uh, a part of, uh, you know, just everyday life uh, here in America and in sports and hockey. But if I, I just... I'm not going to go on and on about it. I've always uh, liked and respected P.K. Subban. Um, he was a, a great uh, energy and, and player for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, on and off the ice, did the same thing when he went to Nashville. Um, I'm happy he, he he's here on the East Coast now playing in New Jersey. Um, you know, take away some of the, the, the slew food controversies that he gets caught up in terms of how he plays and everything. But um, I always thought he's a, a straightforward, down-to-earth kind of guy. I will just ask all of you who have not seen it, Go watch the post-game comments uh, after the game last week uh, talking about his brother Jordan, and he also talked about uh, racism in sports and in life. And it's an education, and I think everybody should check that out. So I wanted to just tip my hat to PK. and um, It's got to stop, all of it. Yeah, do better, America. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's, all my, right, pal. that's my, all my advice to all youngsters. Do better, America. Do better. Very good. Well, pal, um, I think we've covered everything except some of the stuff that we're leaving out, which isn't really, I don't think, anything. But no. are you ready? It's the I'm 50th ready. Episode. It's the fifth. This the is 50th. the 50th. It's the nifty 50. Might be the last one. 
Maybe. Well, again, we at this rate, we've already gone into the 51st episode. <laughs> All right. Get ready here. Let me cue this up. Here we go. It's time for the 50th! Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. All right, so all of you that are still awake out there listening, as you know, the Gags Gang and I, especially for the big 50th, I really put them to work this week. For the big 50th, the Gags Gang and I spend countless hours each week, like every week, in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. And you can, for absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week, please to be using the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, and at Ghost Sports Media Co. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week cup around the ice rink of shame this week? That's right. Little Danny Snyder, owner of the Washington Redskins. No Wolfs, Commanders, Admirals, football team. That's right. Where'd you kill this Daniel? Guy, this guy. Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Not about the off-the-field issues involving sexual misconduct in the workplace or the ham-fisted way he has handled the name change or the fact that the name is changing at all. This is more of a referendum on the destruction of a once-proud team and a once-rabid fan base. In 22 years of ownership, Snyder has turned a shining star of a franchise into a smoldering pile of ashes. Yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the last time the Skins won the Super Bowl. It reminded me how long this once-proud franchise has sunk, sorry, how low this once-proud franchise has sunk, since the glory days of the 1980s and early 90s, under the reign of error of one Napoleon Snyder. In his 23 years as owner, the Danny is 156 and 212, for a sparkling Ouch. 420 winning percentage, or as we like to call it around here, New York Jets land. Woohoo! 14 losing seasons and only six seasons above 500. They've been in the playoffs six times under his watch and have a two and six record in the playoffs. The commanders now own the longest conference championship drought in the NFL at 30 years after Cincinnati won this past Sunday and not to pile on, but the admirals have had no 11 win seasons since the 1991 season. You know Ouch. what NFL team has also not won 11 games during that same time span. None of them. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. In case you have forgotten the many ways that Snyder has committed crimes of war off the field, here is a sampler plate of dickishness. One, he was the first NFL owner to charge admission and for parking to watch training camp practices. Conservative think tank American Enterprise I Institute you don't said have the about. Bell. I don't have the bell. Damn it. Just ring it in your head. Conservative think tank American Enterprise Institute said about the Wolfskins under Snyder, quote, the most frightening example of a team that hadn't thought through the simple economics of football. Snyder once gave fans bags of peanuts from Independence Air when Independence Air had gone out of business a year earlier. The peanuts were more than a year old and had a shelf life of about three months. Snyder once told Asian actors auditioning for a mascot job at Six Flags to, quote, emulate Charlie Chan. Ouch. Beer vendors at FedEx Field used to sell beer in the bathrooms. Snyder sued a 73-year-old grandmother in 2009 because she could no longer afford the 10-year $50,000 club seat contract she had signed. She had been a season ticket holder for 50 years. 
Snyder handed out cardboard Geico signs, a team sponsor, on the same day that he banned homemade signs from FedEx Field, citing, quote, safety concerns. A local ABC sports reporter was forced to do live remotes from outside team facilities because the station he worked for refused to pay Snyder to become an official media partner for the team. In 2005, Snyder refused to accept credit card payments for season tickets unless the customers used the official Redskins MasterCard. Wow. MasterCard told Snyder to drop that demand. After the September 11th attack, Snyder added a $4 security surcharge to ticket prices for the 2002 season, and in 2006, six, Snyder sold special Pentagon flag hats for $23.99 to commemorate the fifth anniversary of, of the attacks. The hats were just regular old black skins hats with an American flag sewn on the side. The Wolfskins were the only team that year to sell merchandise connected to September 11th. And finally, Snyder in 2005 cut down 130 trees protected by the National Park Service so he could get an unobstructed view of the Potomac River from his home. Now, on the one hand, Snyder has not been the clown prince of football off the field since 2010. On the other hand... He has devoted his energies over the last decade to hiring and firing unqualified coaches and general managers, making ill-fated player personnel decisions, and alienating officials from the District of Columbia, Virginia, and Maryland in his chaotic quest to build a new stadium. At this rate, at this rate, he will have to put a new stadium on the moon, which I guess is better than building one on Uranus. In fairness, he did bring one Joseph Jackson Gibbs that's right, St. Joe himself out of retirement to return this team to glory in 2004. Unfortunately, after delivering the only sustained success, and by success I mean two winning seasons in four years, two playoff appearances and one playoff win, in the Snyder era, Gibbs resigned with a year left in his contract, and Snyder replaced him with a coach who could not even remember the colors of his own team. You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black and yellow. I believe this clip represents what all of us, and not just what Commanders fans, would like to say to one uh, Daniel M. Snyder. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? Now, now I know that sounds suspiciously like Ben Roethlisberger's response to Joe Thomas that we played for you last week, but that would be lazy entertainment. We'll just leave that to the joy reads of the world. So... Dan Snyder, for robbing all of us D.C. area residents of the one thing that united us all, for being the worst caretaker of something precious since Frodo Baggins, and for treating our hearts like Fredo Corleone treated Michael Corleone's, you, God help us all, are the sports honchos dope of the week. Congrats, Danny. Your certificate is in the mail. <laughs> wow, you know, you, he's an awful person. He sure is. Oh, wait, just, and before we go. Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, so there you go. Wow. I uh, have a little bit of sympathy, a little more sympathy for you now. 
You know, and I, that, that's just, to that me, the Jets, not, the Jets are the worst. But that's without I don't all know, man. sexual harassment stuff and workplace misconduct and mistreating cheerleaders and all, all that other Michigan. That's just what he did. And most of that was in the first 10 years of his ownership. And then he said, I'm going to turn my attention now to the football product and really screw things up. I mean, that's just a sampling of way I, we could have I could have done a whole two hour show on the misdeeds of one Daniel M. Snyder. That's awful. It's awful. And I, and it, it now it really, you know, when you talked uh, last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, um, about how you're going to now move forward as a D.C. area football fan. Yep. And putting your old team behind you. Yep. Um, you've reinforced my understanding of that more than anything, but he's got to go, man. He sure does. That's awful. But hey, uh, good luck with his new expansion team, the uh, the Northern Virginia Admirals. <laughs> or whatever they're going to be called. Well, no, next again, next Wednesday, if we have a show, I will be certainly sour. We will Not because know we have a show, because of, we'll be celebrating, you know, the Washington Commander Admirals. Oh, man. I, you know, I don't, I don't like, uh, you know. I, I, uh, well, yes, man, no, it. it's just, I guess, you know, ending the 50th episode with Dan Snyder is just... Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is the nail in the coffin for us. This, this yeah, good night, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you never. All right, now, everybody, please stand by for the next hours. We're going to review the 50th episode. Rob, sure. go ahead. Start. Uh, it was great. <laughs> there you go. How was- do you not bring the bell, the Rob Cooney bell, to the 50th episode? Because the bell is, is is weak. It's failing. Every time I, I ring the bell, it's got a clunky sound to it. It's like it, oh, it's broken man. or something. That's I've overused stuff. it. Hey, everybody, I overrang my own bell. I, I disagree, man. I disagree. Yeah. Ring the bell back. <laughs> Good stuff. Man. i got to buy a new bell. Or I'll program a bell sound into the roadcaster here. Yeah, get to work, man. It's not like, it's not like you're busy or anything, right? i got nothing else to do. <laughs> Thank God I still have this, though. I should have played that for everything that Dan Snyder did. All right. Look, everybody who has hung in there with us for these 50 episodes and the pilot show. Hey, yeah, I remember that one. Pilot show, everybody. Pilot show. Quality entertainment. That was huge. Uh, We want to thank all our sponsors who've been with us. Hold on. on. I I hear our sponsors are on the line now. Hold on. No, but we truly uh, we appreciate everybody who's been tuning in and listening. Uh, we appreciate your audience. We see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, uh, talking about us. I want to thank Mom and Grace, man, two of our biggest fans. Yep. Um, and uh, Atawande Kumbamba in South Africa is always tuning in. <laughs> He's super. We apologize to all our soccer fans uh, for not giving you the soccer content that you've demanded here but uh you know we'll, we'll maybe get around to that uh down the road but with that said before mr cuny falls asleep right here on the skype that i'm looking at uh Hi. i want to say thank you uh it's episode 50 rob give everybody a, a big 50th episode goodbye hey friends loved ones family members all of you out there listening it's 50 shows in all seriousness we can't do 50 shows if nobody's actually paying attention to us so we appreciate you listening. We thank you. We thank our good friends up in Canada and the Dean Blundell Network. You're the reason why we do this. You're the reason why if we have a 51st show, we'll be back next week to do it all over again. Uh, there's a blizzard coming this weekend. 
Stay inside, stay warm. As always, Willie Mays still with us after 50 episodes. If you see him or his family, give him a hug. Make sure they cross the street safely. Uh, stay warm this weekend. Be nice to each other. Be safe. And as always, peace. Nice job, Mr. Cuny. On behalf of the whole Sports Honchos family. We're out of here, man! We got better things to do! Oh, my God! That's terrible. Did I just say that? Not very nice. (laughs) Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. We love you. Robin Paul, Mr. and Mr. Honcho. We're out of here, baby. Good night.